This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Get ready to fall back into good hygiene and impeccable grooming with Manscaped. Join the two million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with promo code LASERTIME. Leonard Nimoy returns to Star Trek The Monsters Incorporate and Harold and Kumar close out the trilogy this week on 302010. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you on a rip-roaring journey back across three decades, 30, 20, and 10 years ago, from a single week, this week being October 29th through November 4th. Happy Halloween, pop culture. Mm-hmm. We'll be taking you on a little journey. Open up those little portals to 1991, 2001, and 2011, and we'll tell you all the cool stuff that came out in that time period. Hi, one of your host, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, coming direct from Planet Zeist. <laughs> and it's me, Sarah. It's her, Sarah, and there's just so many fun and weird things to talk about this week. Once again, I really don't want to top load this thing, but... I tend to be a sucker for the things of 1991 because all of my memories of everything that came out at this point are very, very weird. Well, I also got to thank right off the bat uh, our patrons at patreon.com slash laser time, such as executive producer Christopher Hare and many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time who give us five bucks or more to keep the show going as well as the rest of the laser time network. We always try and give you extra stuff, including bonuses of this show, classic corner, video game episodes, uh, focus on the video games we briefly talk about with the video game apocalypse boys, video game apocalypse. That's every Friday on the Laser Time Network or wherever you listen to your podcast. Die! what the fuck is this news? It's like the saddest thing I've ever heard of. And it's like, but it's not, though. Oh, because then people don't die. Okay. Nobody dies. Nobody died. The largest car crash in U.S. history, apparently. I couldn't fully confirm that, but 216 car pileup on the I-10 South uh, outside of Los Angeles because of thick fog. There's an accident, and then everyone just keeps running into it. For 216 cars. It's, it's. I mean, think about like how great it would have been to be running late that morning yeah. and just, you'd be like, I'm sorry, I, I was in that giant car accident. I was on the four or five. Really I mean, I 10. I was on I 10. And, um, yeah. It's like, no, I was right behind it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right behind it. You're like the one guy who finally stops and everyone stops behind you and you can just. All you could know, you can't really see how far it goes, but there's a lot of car crash. I was, I, there. I didn't read the last word, two words, no fatalities, because it was just like if there were all fatalities, it's like no one would have stopped talking about that because everybody in LA would have known someone involved in this. Mm-hmm. That's that is so many fucking cars. That is like a movie and Roland Emmerich movie worth of cars. It's like double the the number of cars smashed up in Blues Brothers. It's, it's, that's a it lot. It is of cars. sixteen more than the cars uh, destroyed in Matrix Reloaded. Uh, do you feel though, like car number like probably one hundred and sixty on? They were just doing it to be cool yeah. at that point. Some some total Karen. <laughs> Ow, my liver! Like, oh, what are they doing up there? Oh well, I guess this is what we're doing now. Okay, crash. <laughs> 216 cars. joke about it because no one died. If you have an immediate family consisting of a mother, father, and a brother and a sister, none of you or your offspring will ever own as many cars that were involved in this accident. That's... (laughs) 
it's incredible to think about. Unless you're Jay Leto. Unless, yeah, I lost four. So what are you gonna, what are you gonna do? You hear about this? You hear about my accident? Uh, moving on to nineteen. <laughs> I thought Jay Leto was smashed up at once. Oh my god, I would love. I loaned it to all my friends. Uh, <laughs> it'd be great yeah. if one of the cars Damned just like up the I-10. tumbled off the highway into like into the top of his garage and took like seven oh or eight god. of Jay Leno's cars. Uh, <laughs> You know, he bought all his cars with just his stand-up money. Well, you mean to tell me he didn't spend the Tonight Show money? Uh, it doesn't show. Anyway, movies of 1991, October 29th through the 4th. It is Halloween, and I, I like that back in 91, we have halloween releases. Instead of releasing Halloween movies in September, and as we'll see later, Christmas movies on Halloween. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, disgusting. Yeah, we have a, and we have a Halloween movie on Thanksgiving, too. Just, they're all over the place, and it's wrong. Um, man, there's something happening here because I have two distinct memories of this week. 1991 movies, October 29th through the 4th, not out of Year of the Gun with Andrew McCarthy, Sharon Stone, and Valeria Golino. Um, this is a sort of a yeah, one, it's like a political thriller, but it kind of reminds me of Street Smart in a weird way, Street which Smart. is like a kind of obscure, except that it's a movie they gave us Morgan Freeman because it's Andrew McCarthy is like a journalist in Italy and he writes a novel about the Red Brigades, who are these like super leftist group that ended up kidnapping a former prime minister and killing him. And he like writes this novel about how they're going to do that. And then they get their hands on it and they're like, oh shit, he knows about our plan. And then they start chasing him around. Okay. It's like, okay. It's weird. You do this show long enough, and it's like the same plots start showing up. Mm. Well, I mean, that is so true. It is yeah. true. Not to be confused with Lorenzo Lorenzo's oil, because I know I did. Uh, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> but the next movie, Harry Connick Jr., Diane Weist, uh, Adam Han Hanbird, and Jodie Foster, and I believe her directorial debut. Yep. Little Man Tate, a movie I watched a lot. Me too. Why did we watch this movie so I much? I think because this is the era where, like, your parents rent a movie. And you're just excited to see a new movie. We didn't have any movie yeah, channels so. and just any new movie that came in the house. Like, well, yeah, I'm going to watch this as long as I'm allowed. And my parents were making all the decisions. And uh, my, yeah. my mom and probably dad are Jodie Foster fans. And this came in and it's what we had for the weekend. And it started a little kid. So my sister and I watched it multiple times while we had it. Can you even imagine renting a movie and watching it multiple times in the same weekend? This it's used to happen all the time. Especially a movie about a little kid who is gifted mm -hmm. and his mother's like struggles with like getting him the proper support and education because he's so, so smart. Right? Yeah. 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 So yeah, like he's so, so smart that he can, you know, he's like seven or eight and he can take quantum physics at a university level. Mm -hmm. But you know, obviously he doesn't have the social skills of people, his intellectual equals. Mm -hmm. So it's the push and pull of like, no, he needs to have a regular life, but he, he will hate having a regular life. If you put him in third grade, he will go insane. Mm -hmm. So like, and and the kids there are going to be assholes to him too. So what do you do with him? Like you put him in the, the school for the gifted kids, but at the same time, like, well, now he's away from his mom and can he relate to these kids or not? Or yeah. I found it pretty damn interesting. It, is, it was interesting. And I, I think I also was really into watching this when I was a kid, too, because I was in gifted classes. Mm. Just, oh, I know. Very fancy. And also, I was obsessed with Doogie Howser, too. I loved Doogie <laughs> Howser so much. It was my first celebrity crush, I, actually. Oh, so, he's coming up at the end of the show. Well, <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> Oh, and so, uh, yeah, that whole idea of like a little genius child really intrigued me, I guess. I wasn't a genius child. I was put in gifted. But what I related to is the thing I think was the very problem with the gifted program. I wasn't 
gifted like naturally. I just, before I got to school, my parents would give me math and reading workbooks. So when I showed up to kindergarten, I knew basic math, multiplication, and how to read. And the other kids did not. And with, so what that taught me to do is to never pay attention for the first three years of class because I was, <laughs> I just checked out mentally. And that's how I came to associate school. This is something I could just sit here and not pay attention to because this, in- this information is not relevant to anything I need. And I resent my parents for it. Yes. And then, yeah. and then, and and then... I was also in the gifted program and mm-hmm. I learned I can coast on natural ability God and not it. try very hard. It's, it's offensive how easy it is for you ladies to learn shit. Some yeah. of us are dumb as a brick and it's not fair. Mm. Yeah. It's not that you're dumb as a brick. Yeah. There's just, you know. I, I didn't need to apply myself. I, I could pick things up pretty fast, and then it was good. And then when I would run into actual things that I couldn't pick up fast, then it hurt. Yes, yes. <laughs> it hurt deeply. It, it hurt. personally hurt. And I had to come up with all these excuses. Oh, my mom was in the largest car crash in U.S. history on the I-10. <laughs> that's, that's why I didn't know <laughs> who discovered America. And my dad is Diane Weiss. So. <laughs> And and the next the next film I have a total rental memory with. Um, Why the, everyone hated this and no one liked it? At yes, all. because I want to give my parents the benefit of the doubt. I was not watching this with them, but mm. I may have come in the room when they were watching it. But I know for a fact this is the first movie I ever saw with my mother on the left of me and my father on the right of me with full frontal female nudity. I saw Bush in uh, Bruce Willis, Stephen Hill, Nicole Kidman, Lauren Dean, and uh, Dustin Hoffman, and Billy Bathgate. One had style. You're the one on the lamb, and I'm the one on the town. Would you rather be at this moment? One had power. Let me explain something to you in plain English. Together, they had it all. You got some complaints about the way I'm running things? Until one of them... Oh, Weinberg's double-crossing us. ...betrayed the other. $20 million a year, you want to run it like some candy store? Who would you rather be at this moment? Dustin Hoffman, Nicole Kidman, Bruce Willis, in Billy Bathgate, rated R. Watch Miller's Crossing instead. Uh, don't God, need to, yes. Don't need to We're watch good fellas. We're good Both fellas. Both of them cover the same shit, man. Yell- yeah, Billy Bathgate is an adaptation of the E.L. Dr. O novel about a guy who, you know, starts working his way up the mafia for uh, Dutch Schultz, who is a real person. And there's like, you know, Lucky Luciano shows up and there's real people in it. But uh, it is so boring yeah i how how do you take this material and make it just dry fucking toast man (laughs) i don't know i think some of it has to do with lauren dean who's an okay actor but in this like he has no character whatsoever he's just a blank and it's yeah i can't project myself onto him because he's just there's nothing you know and Again, if I want to see someone work their way up in the mob, I will watch Goodfellas, which came out a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> yes, right when Martin Scorsese changed the mob genre, you get this really, really aged entry. Yeah, fuck Billy Bathgate. Massive pop culture blind spot for me is the Highlander series. Well, uh, this is the one they pretend didn't happen. Oh, really? Well, because, because there can only be one, right? <laughs> yes, there can only be one Highlander movie and no show. And <laughs> yeah, this is one of the worst movies of all time. Wow. 100%. Okay, the first Highlander, it's dumb, but it's fun as hell. And it's about these, you know, these immortal dudes and they kill each other off, you know, one by one, because there can be only one. That's how you stay immortals by killing off the other immortal dudes. And you're like, okay, cool. And then this movie, Highlander 2, colon, The Quickening, it turns out, oh, actually, they were aliens and also. They, there are more, and they come from this planet, Zeist, and also the Earth 
has a problem with the ozone layer. So Christopher Lambert builds a machine that blocks the ozone layer. And now in the far off year of 2024, like the earth sucks. And then these Highlanders Checks come, out. they're going to come kick his ass. And then he kills one. And that makes Sean Connery come back to life. What? What? Who disturbs my slumber? <laughs> oh my God. This is a disaster. The quickening. Um, uh, yeah, I've never seen any of these, and I thought I heard Clancy Brown give a great description how this came about, just like kind of a grifty screen uh, producer would go to colleges and like buy up screenwriting theses for like $500 oh. and try and get them made, and if he did, then like I got this super cheap script, and we can make a shitty movie for even cheaper, and bought one from a student for nothing, gave him like no back end. And didn't expect anything of it, but it somehow and ended up in Sean Connery's hand. He's like, I want this one. This <laughs> somehow, and like, what? We bought a Sean Connery movie? This is impossible. And like, Sean Connery is the reason we have Highlanders. Uh, huh. he, he liked the concept. He wanted yeah. to do it. Now, like I said, the, the first one, it's it's very cheesy in 80s, but it's it's still a good time. You know, it's fun. No, we were this, Sarah and I were going through this wonderful YouTube video about comprehensible. We, we were going I through mean, a, a, a highlight reel of communities movie references, and there was a rather lengthy Highlander reference that, like, yeah, yeah. I was like I don't get this at all. Fuck me, everything well, else I can I can spot on site. This movie did give us like one of the best sequel after colon sequel names to spoof with the quickening. The quickening. It only comes second to Electric Boogaloo. Then the yeah. quickening and the dead. The squeakwell. I like the squeakwell. Squeakwell's pretty good. Sorry. And I maybe I might have zoned out when you were explaining this, but what does the term the quickening actually refer to? Because like in real life, it refers to the time when a fetus like starts to move what? around in a woman, and yeah, they kind of yeah, it, it does. Kind of changes. Yeah. I've never used this per, appropriately. It kind of changes per movie. I okay. think it's like an. I think in the first one, it's like in the energy they get from killing their foe. And then in this one, it's more like it's the force now. Okay. It is gobbledygook. It's okay. such, <laughs> such gobbledygook. And part of the problem is the producers took it away from, you know, the director and we're doing all kinds of crazy shit and they moved scenes around and they dropped a bunch of stuff. And there is a director's cut, which is supposed to be an improvement. And that's usually what you find now. The original mm. version is a little harder to find. Usually you see extended cut or renegade cut something i think it's called but for a movie released in theaters this is so weird just yeah. it might be the weirdest sequel ever hmm. because wow. there is nothing in the original one it's just about dudes ancient immortal dudes fighting hmm. that's it they gotta cut each other's heads off is this thing that that's it that's it that's it and this now they're aliens and there is a space beam to protect the ozone layer and an evil corporation runs it. And then Michael Ironside comes in from outer space and then there's some fighting and he like throws a train at a guy. And <laughs> it's just like, I tried to watch these back to back. This is when I remember hearing Highlander 2, The Quickening is one of the worst movies ever made. And I started it and I got two minutes and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm watching. <laughs> Do I need to see the first Highlander? So I watched the first Highlander. I'm like, oh, okay. Then I came back to it still about three minutes. And I'm like, what the Jesus fuck is going on? What? Wow. Aliens. The answer should always be, oh, they were aliens the whole time. Sure. <laughs> Every movie should do that. And you're saying that they retcon that in future movies or just like don't mention it again? They, they I believe Highlander 3 pretends Highlander 2 never happened. And wow. it is never mentioned again. It usually takes like 20 years for Hollywood to do that. Hello, Halloween. Yeah. 
Exactly. Hello, Superman Returns. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and then finally... But I would love to hear people, especially fans of Highlander, and in the comments, their opinions of Highlander. Please, I need to... Because it is legendarily unwatchable. I gotta know everything. For a movie with a real budget and stars, I... uh, uh, Can't make head or tails of it. Because for me, popping this on, it had... I'm not necessarily like an 80s horror fan. I think I'm like a this era horror fan. This is the exact flavor I, I like around Halloween. Ving Rames, Everett McGill, Wendy Robbie, uh, Brandon Adams, number one in the box office this week. It is The People Under the Stairs. From the director of A Nightmare on Elm Street, something's in me. The People Under the Stairs. They're here. <laughs> They're real. Can't get out. No one ever has. Watch your step. Wes Craven's The People Under the Stairs. Rated R. Yeah, what's up, music from Aliens? Yeah, oh, is that from Aliens? Holy shit. Yeah, it sounds makes it so much more action-y than it actually is, man. Dude, I'd I'd always heard this movie was held in well regarded by horror fans. Mm Uh, so I finally watched it, and what a fucking hoot is it, yeah. man. Oh. Yeah, it's just fun. Oh, wait. I was expecting a lot gorier, a lot scarier. It's Yeah, my husband called it Texas Chainsaw Winchester Mystery House. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what it, it's mostly about, being trapped in a crazy-ass house. Yes, by <laughs> wonderful Republican. <laughs> yeah, by not the Reagans. It's... It, it, it's Oh, it just, I just remember as a kid, like, oh, I hope there's people under the stairs. Yes! Yes, there is. It's like, it's everything I thought this movie would be, it was. People. It was more, because I, yeah. I thought the people under the stairs were the threat. You know, they were a bunch of chuds no. or or something. No. No, they're, they're just kind Harry, of Harry Potter esque. They're, they're kept under there uh, by these yep. awful people, and Ving Rames stumbles upon it while breaking into the house or something. It's got an, a video game elaborate labyrinth of things when you try and go. We try and navigate under the stairs, and it's just wonderful. It is a wonderful, low-stakes uh, horror film that is almost yeah. like... Wait, I meant to look up the rate. Is this even R-rated? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's R-rated. But it's... Yeah, I mean, there's enough violence, but th- yeah, there's a lot less violence than I was anticipating. The violence there is, is pretty nasty, though. Uh, but yeah, Ving Rhames and this kid are about to be evicted from their, you know, shitty apartment. As their neighbor you know, is about to be gentrified. Yeah, Lots they're, of messaging they're, in they're here. about to do some slum clearance, and they're like the last holdout family. And they're like, oh, you know what we're going to do is we can't pay the rent. We're going to rob our landlords mm-hmm. and pay them with their own money. It's like, <laughs> great plan. Awesome. And they get to these people's house that are their landlords, and it turns out, oh, they're fucking insane. Mm-hmm. They got a bunch of weird chuds in the basement. They got a daughter that they're terrifying and mistreating. Uh, played by the girl who played Rayanne on my so-called life, who's now Countess of Devon. Huh? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, in no, real she... life, I thought you were saying like mentioning like Bridgerton or some other show. I'm not oh, watching. No, no she <laughs> she married uh, a count. Hell yeah, <laughs> AJ, AJ Langer. But um, yeah, so they're this like the whole house is like booby trapped with crazy stuff, and they're climbing behind the walls. They're climbing through the ducts, and while uh, yeah, these you know rather Ronald Reagan esque looking Everett McGill, sometimes wearing a gimp suit, which means that's two movies that Bing Rames has had to deal with a guy in a gimsu. It's true. That's a weird thing. Uh, yeah, well, they're chasing around and trying to murder him and whatever. And like so much of the time, I'm just, they're setting up these elaborate ass traps and I'm just thinking, this is where your rent money was going, dude. This yeah. shit. 
And this, Bar this, in the windows. This is like <laughs> feeding the cannibals under the stairs. My favorite period of Wes Craven as well. Just his like I'm out of I'm out from underneath his famous franchises like Nightmare on Elm Street and make Shocker this and New Nightmare and it's just man I love these three films. Oh yeah, and just I love that uh, yeah the main bad guys are Everett McGill and Wendy Roby who were a couple on Twin Peaks mm-hmm. and here they are so bonkers it must have been exhausting because i mean like the whole shoot is just them running and like shooting shotguns at walls and screaming it's a video game (laughs) it is it is a wonderful wonderful video game the people under the stairs can't recommend enough uh streaming on peacock right now yep 1991 tv shows oh boy nerds this is gonna get exciting there's a lot of stuff uh to get excited about such as leonard nimoy coming back to star trek for (gasps) not the Is this the last time? No, it's not the last time. There's still Undiscovered Country, I think, to come out. Oh, and he did mm-hmm. Double J Abrams stuff. Yeah. But uh, I think it was mostly exciting because they really did sparingly use the original series cast members in The Next Generation. I mm-hmm. mean, mm-hmm. mostly because of the timeline. It's not like they wouldn't have been willing, but Leonard Nimoy makes a lot more sense, and he's in a two-parter starting this week on the 4th with uh, Unification. Unification Part 2 will follow a week later. Uh, warning for the... <laughs> Mild at heart. Captain Kirk will be doing Romulan face, so I t- hopefully this episode doesn't get pulled. It is... Oh. <laughs> he will dress up like a Romulan. But if you... I have it... I'm slowly going through all the Star Treks, like, almost out of order. I'm on Deep Space Nine right now. I This is a f- the fifth season finale? So I had not seen this, and it was just nice to see these two interact, because I've seen Generations a bunch of time, and Spock's the only one who's not in that movie at all. And here he is to talk to Picard. I'm not prepared to leave until your affairs are complete. In your own way, you are as stubborn as another captain of the Enterprise I once knew. And I'm in good company, sir. (laughs) Oh, wait, that's the the way the original (laughs) series would have ended. I think that's from the second episode that airs next week. But now, I don't have to pretend to know know anything about it to talk about it again. Obviously, obviously the biggest game in town is the Muppet Babies finale. (laughs) Obviously. <laughs> Everybody's talking about it. Uh, Eight Flags Over the Nursery, a reference that is, I think is so, just, like, just there so kids can get it. But m- m- over Six Flags Over Texas. Uh, yeah. uh, Muppet Babies, for me, is very special. Not my favorite show. But, it, as, like, I, we were talking, I was talking to some friends the other day, just like, uh, you know, Doug, three seasons, He-Man, two seasons, Muppet Babies ran for nine years and then went into daily syndication before that. It was, in a world without streaming and choice, it is actually kind of hard to miss. You could see it for an hour on Saturday morning. You could see it on Nickelodeon or Fox daily after that for another... But, like, it starts in 84 and ends in 91, and that, for me, like, encompasses my cognizant childhood, the entirety of it. (laughs) And I know Diana and, and Sarah are kind of on the older and younger into the spectrum and maybe have a different mm-hmm. relationship with it. But it was like never a day I wondered like, when will I be able to watch Muppet Babies again? Probably five <laughs> minutes. It also has something disturbing. It's animation technically ripped from another show. You get to see animated adult versions of the Muppet Babies, meaning nope. the fucking Muppets, but animated with legs, which had been done oh. period. Yeah. No, thank you. I, I know. I know. It just reminded me last time I went to Disney World, they had this stupid awful fake production cell area like here's a lady the tramp cell for $150 I'm like there is no theatrical Disney cell worth under $1,000 what is this how dare you try and pull this on the public and then I look to the right of it this is an Olaf cell I shouldn't have to say why that's stupid 
or that CG animation does not have animation cells. Mm. But I felt like I felt like standing there for the next hour and warning anybody thinking of buying this. This is not what is. <laughs> there is no such thing as a CG animation cell. And then I look even further to the right, and they have a Muppet animation cell. This is even more impossible. <laughs> this is not how you make Muppets. But maybe it was from this episode where you get to see Big Kermit, Big Fozzie, and Big Piggy. I don't know. I wanted to ask, did any? What was your relationship with the Muppet Babies? Because maybe oh, I I watched the Muppet Babies. Yeah, for sure. watched a whole bunch. It was yeah, all, it was fun. They go it, on adventures using the powers of their imagination. Mm-hmm. I like it's one of those things. That's all too. I need, man. Yeah, my sense memory of it is everything looked so soft. Oh, or kind you of know? Weird. like everything is like rounded, mm-hmm. sort of. They're and, in a nursery. Like, just, like yeah, so like when I think about it, I think about like. I don't know. It gives me like a very cozy feeling because right. it was just like everything was like very, very sweet and soft. They would go on pretend adventures, and anytime like Kermit fell into a canyon, they'd cut back to the nursery and he'd fall on a pile of pillows. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I just want to, it's a minor question. I don't mean to usurp J.R. Rawls and what he does on the latest time Facebook, but some of these songs end up like coming back in my head. Again, there's, there's no way to revisit this. They've never made these episodes commercially available. I think they would sell like a VHS or DVD if you bought dolls. It would have like two episodes in that oh. doll's case. But hmm. man, I had Muppet Baby storybooks and merchandise. Yeah. I still have Christmas Muppet Baby stuff. I know there's a new Disney CG one on Disney Plus or Disney Junior, but it's not the same. This was a... Uh, this was so ubiquitous, and I guess I should say that's the, the last time anybody saw Skeeter, Scooter's, uh, mm. Scooter's mm. sister, which was created for the show, much like Summer Penguin on the new one, because the Muppets have no lady friends. Not <laughs> enough women around. Yeah. Is this our first version of a young thing, like a young version of an of the older thing? You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, yeah. Yes. The young because class or... Muppet Babies yeah. as a concept was based off of a sequence in the Muppets Take Manhattan in 83. So okay. I think you get like Flintstone kids like somewhere in 85, yeah. but like oh, okay. the concept came out with Muppet Babies and it really like every every cartoon, famous cartoon got a little version at right. that point. Yeah. Pop named Scooby-Doo, Yo-Yogi, every, even like a, Little Damon Wayans in the show, I forget the title of, Lil Rosie was the little Roseanne Barr show, Life with Louie. Lots of little versions of things you're already aware of. Yeah, Um, interesting. But yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to Muppet Babies. And I just threw this in here, not to, again, not to take uh, J.R. All's thunder. I notice sometimes when I sing to my pets when I'm alone, where, what are these songs? And there are a lot of songs like this from Muppet Babies. This is, if you, I, I look this up. I, this has been in my head. I haven't seen this since I was a kid, but I remember the lyrics or at least the chorus whenever I would hold multiple pets. So I just was asking if, like, deep in your memory, do you have a buried Muppet Baby song? They made a song per episode, per eight seasons for like over nine years. So you might have one locked in your brain somewhere. I know my mother will sometimes sing songs that are nowhere like cheesy moms do. And I have to tell her like, that's from Fraggle Rock. You have not seen that show in 35 years, but through watching TV with me, she remembers and she has, and she has no idea what it's from. So I was just curious. Muppet baby songs. Do you have any hard pivot into the rape of Dr. Willis? Um, <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, that is, I was a TV movie. I threw this in here because it was like, you're just going to call it that. Yeah. yeah how, that, oh, that's, 
Seems like that was the working title. And they're like, oh, we'll figure out something a little bit better than that. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, if you have to get a bunch of people to watch it, I guess, why not? I mean, or a bunch of people to not to want ignore to watch it. it. Yeah. yeah, I ain't watching that. No what? way, man. Well, it's not actually about that. Jacqueline Smith plays the titular, oh boy, uh, Dr. Willis when she discovered. Wait a minute. What? The doctor is a woman? What? <gasps> I know. Get with it, Sarah. It's the early 90s. Um, what the fuck? <laughs> Harvey Weinstein's about to come into power. Get with it. Where she discovers that the severely wounded casualty on her operating table is the same man who sexually assaulted her when she first started work in the uh, county hospital. She has the power to save or the power to wreak revenge. How will she decide? Also, John Hawks is in this for some reason. I just thought, like, this is he the bad guy? No, he's like way deep in the cast list. I did not watch this. Are you crazy? I'm not... I do love a Holland Taylor joint. But I just like, will she save him or will she seek her revenge? Like, she's going to save him, but she's a woman. She's I just, like, I'm what, just what? picturing her like holding a scalpel, like shaking in her hands, yeah. like over a body. Like, what she's, to do? She's a woman and a doctor. I don't think those revenge fantasies carry out. Nor will they make her violate her <laughs> professional Hippocratic oath. What a silly notion! But it sounds like a really, I don't want to say fun movie to watch. But if like if that really is the decision she's like struggling with, like that has to be very silly. This is a whole movie. Yeah. About this. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it's Yikes. available on YouTube. Pass. Um, yeah. Okay. If you want lighter fare, how about Reba McIntyre? Playing someone yeah. named Burgundy Jones in the Old West. Uh, Stop. Yes. I love that. What a great name. Holy shit. We have The Return of Kenny Rogers and The Gambler Returns. That's a complicated title. It's The Gambler Returns, colon, The Luck of the Draw, Kenny Rogers, Rick Rosevich, Reba McIntyre, Claude Atkins, uh, Claude Atkins. Um, yeah. But it's Kenny Rogers' fourth TV movie. And it's also, this will matter to no one listening. It is the biggest weird crossover of Western television characters I've ever seen in my life. Uh, characters from Maverick, Rawhide, The Rifleman, and even David Carradine's kung fu character Kane appear in the show. In addition to like shows I have never fucking heard of, like The Westerner. Chuck Connors is here as The Rifleman. Uh, not oh James my- Garner, but his brother in Maverick, Brett, Brett Bart, Bart Maverick is mm. here. Matt, like the fucking Maverick is here. <laughs> um, oh my God. And, and the other characters, even like, like Doug McClure, even though they couldn't get their name, it's like characters from like seven different television Westerns of 20 years ago appear in this. And it's, I just imagine, I'm trying to imagine how fun that would be for someone who cared, even though oh, we're man. likely not. Yeah. If you're, I mean, this is the ultimate dad TV program, man. Yes. Oh, well, at this point I'd say granddad, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, in 1991, you could be an older dad. You know what? You're right. That's I. My dad is not as nostalgic as anyone from our generation. But I do sometimes ask him, like, what was what was your favorite thing to do as a kid? And like, oh, my parents would leave us alone at like one because you know it's the 50s, and it, mm. he'd call it hamburger night, where they just gave him like raw hamburger to cook, and like, oh, it's so good this hamburger. <laughs> and the, the kids would get to pick what they watch, and it was always Western shit on television. It's like mm-hmm. him and his. Three siblings. That was their favorite night ever. Parents leave. We eat ham- hamburger with no bun. Watch The Rifleman with Chuck Connors. Have gun, will travel. And all right, 1991 video games. Again, not a lot of concrete dates. But if you're in the middle of playing Metroid Dread, the recently released Metroid game for the Nintendo Switch, you got another first sequel to Metroid. Metroid 2, The Return of Samus, debuts this month. That's the first second Metroid game. <laughs> Which is a big deal because it wasn't like super successful and kind of hard for 
younger kids to wrap their head around, a nonlinear game where you go back and forth, opening areas that you've been looking at the entire time when you get new powers. It took me a long time as a little kid to learn how to play Metroid, and it's taken me a long time as a 41-year-old to finish Metroid Dread. Moving on to music of 1991, October 29th through November 4th, uh, we have uh, Shelly barking. I yes. think. I'm just trying to make sure I, can, I want people to know I know which one of your dogs is barking. That's mm. true. That's pretty good. <laughs> you know. The pizza's uh, here, y'all. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, we got new music releases like Rush Street from Richard Marks, Dickie Marks, Death Certificate by Ice Cube, Parallels by uh, Fate's Warning, Prince of Darkness by Big Daddy Kane, Too Legit to Quit by MC Hammer. That was a cassette tape I know I had. No Pocky for Kitty from by Superchunk. We Can't Dance by Genesis. Um, and My Bloody Valentine's Loveless, which is on the Rolling Stones 500 Greatest Album list. Uh, we will close out this Barky segment with Romantic by Karen White. It's number one this week, but stay right there. We have a lot more to talk about in 2001. Autumn is in the air, the pumpkins are in the patch, and our friends at Manscaped are here to make sure you don't uh, (laughs) carve your pants pumpkins or your Thanksgiving gourd when you're grooming your patch. You know what I mean. Make sure you're keeping things fresh this fall with the leaders in male grooming and their brand new fourth generation performance package. And this season, get 20% off those grooming needs by going to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping using the promo code LASERTIME. Because, hey guys, just because it's the Halloween season, it doesn't mean you should walk around looking like the wolf, man. Come on, fellas. There's going to be plenty of sexy costuming afoot, so you got to step up your game a little bit with the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. The fourth generation lawnmower trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced and safe technology. Plus, it's waterproof. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker to chop those worst weeds up top in your nose and ears. This nose and ear hair trimmer uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system to provide proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. (laughs) Seal the deal with the Manscaped Crop Preserver Bowl Deodorant, which will have your balls smelling as delicious as pumpkin spice lattes on a chilly autumn morning. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to the Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and Shed Travel Bag. Are you ready to fall head over heels for Manscaped yet? Join the 2 million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping using the promo code LASERTIME. That's one word, LASERTIME. Once again, that's 20% off plus free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. Make your balls a priority this fall. It's a fall ball. Choose Manscaped because your balls will thank you. Coming in in 2001 with Family Fair by Mary J. Blige. It's number one this week. This week being October 29th to November 4th. Now, I know we played this before when the LP came out, mm-hmm. but we only addressed the hateration then, and we need to right. talk about the holleration in this dancery. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah. That's holleration a point. is a very important issue in these times. Please, mm-hmm. no more holleration in this dancery. No more holleration in this dancery of our country right now. Yes. Yes. 
Please um, stop yelling at people. Please. Oh, oh, Leave girlfriend. The poor clerk alone. New releases that are also out this week: Choices, the album by Three Six Mafia, on on the verge of becoming Oscar winners. Um, yep. Yeah. Eight years? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Instructions by Jermaine Dupri. Haven't heard that name in a while. Uh, Escape by Enrique Iglesias. Invincible by Michael Jackson. I said I'd never mention him on a podcast. But Lenny by Lenny Kravitz. I wonder what this is about. The self-titled debut of The National. Oh, yes. I don't... (laughs) I I love The National so much. Yeah, I'm shocked it's only 20 years because I feel like I've had three girlfriends in three different decades who are obsessed with The National. <laughs> and through the eyes of by flaw and uh Bertney by Bertney Spears. Wow. Was Lenny making a joke there naming his album that week? <laughs> <laughs> Lenny? Yes. We got Lenny and Brittany out. Anything on the music? We good? Um, I slow the national, that's all. Yeah. All right. Um, the national by the national. We got a lot of self-titles. It was yep. the soundtrack on one of the last dates I went on. The national was all the national for like two hours. That's, that's how you know you have a real lake. That's how I know I'm dating a woman. news of 2001 i think a lot of us kind of remember where we were here basically because i didn't totally understand it yes (laughs) yeah slowly kind of understand it later on microsoft settles antitrust suit with department of justice so uh it'd share its application programming with other companies Um, yeah which was not it's this whole case just ends with a It's such a fucking fizzle. They were, you know, originally going to break up Microsoft. And there was all kinds of, you know, they rolled as, uh, you know, illegal practices largely over bundling Internet Explorer with Windows and making yes. everyone use it. And, and but, in this, but, they're just like, uh, never mind. Well, I think it, it was also everything else that their software became the default because they had contracts to pre-install them on every single computer. And yeah. now that seems pretty commonplace with our devices any device with an operating system that like you buy an xbox they're still like you should browse the internet with your xbox through microsoft edge like what if i didn't browse the internet with my controller at all microsoft jesus christ it just yeah i mean microsoft basically didn't have to change really anything except oh make it easier for people to make compatible software Mm -hmm. big fucking deal i mean i guess that's sort of adding competition but not really and it did it did if you remember because this is the rise of the mp3 like it would constantly try and default your music to windows media player instead of the clearly better winamp it whips the llama's ass and uh it would always do that and you couldn't didn't really have any choice on it because the owners of that program owned the operating system that every time you updated it would change your preferences to its Uh. own that's and, so true. Yeah, they really. They, I mean, I think that's sort of part of it. I thought it was something bigger in like in uh, Europe, just because it was like it. Name another word processing software. It's like they almost didn't exist after this because everybody got yeah. Office. Word would, perfect. Word perfect. That is word Microsoft. Perfect. That's but that's pre Windows, man. I used to use Word Perfect on MS DOS five point one, which mm-hmm. is also a Microsoft product. So yeah. Okay, but I do have a. What's probably a stupid question is going to get me made fun of on the internet. Please. But if you have a computer. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I haven't got to the question. I know. It was just the way you phrased that. It's like, yes, mom. (laughs) How am I the youngest, but also the most momest in this group? (laughs) And you don't have like Internet Explorer on it when you take it out of the box. How do you download a... 
I, <laughs> the internet. I'm with you. <laughs> this is point. This yeah, is, that's the, the Internet Explorer is the thing that exists so you can download like Firefox or right. something. Right. <laughs> okay. I just want to make sure. It was like, right. Right when we right the know. first time I ever used Internet Explorer because I didn't I accessed the internet through AOL and Prodigy. So yeah. that yeah. was how I navigated the web with. A joke about it all the time with key, the keywords they told me to use to find the stuff I needed to. I didn't even know what a browser was until we got high speed internet. AOL became irrelevant and like, oh, that's what Internet Explorer does. I thought it was just like a search engine and mm. <laughs> it finds Firefox, of course. <laughs> of course. Oh, Microsoft. And meanwhile, Microsoft right now, not a terrible company. Good with good, semi decent products. Mm. Uh, meh. Uh, why am I defending a billion dollar corporation? Let's move on. Yeah. Don't um, defend anybody. Um, Don't defend anyone. Don't defend, you know what? I will. I would. I wanted to defend the first movie we're going to talk about, and then I forgot Ron Jeremy's in it. So no, can't defend anything. It no. it Don't is uh, quite the cast in this first film. Ron Jeremy, James Guardians of the Galaxy director James Gunn, uh, Hank the Angry Dwarf. For you Howard Stern fans, Lemmy Kilmeister, Motorhead fame, Randy and Jason Sklar of the Sklar Brothers fame, yeah. uh, narrators Stanley and David Matley, and Citizen Toxie, the Toxic Avenger 4. And I am shocked and a little saddened. I, I know Troma's hyper-independent, but yeah, it's been 20 years since the last Toxic Avenger. This one ends on a cliffhanger that they promised to follow up on and oh. haven't. And I believe, as far as I know, I looked into this very little before the show, that it's stalled because there is a major motion picture remake uh, set for Toxic Avenger. Right. Which I'm utterly fucking shocked. I just don't... I mean, we, we've talked about that on the show, that like, why are you remaking Straw Dogs? But at least there's a funny aspect to Toxic Avenger. But like the whole point is to not do this at a big studio and to do this with trauma. They're the they're the flavor, not not the character. It's so much the thing that is so wonderful about trauma films is they really look like they were just made by a bunch of friends on a weekend. Yes. Who have just just a little bit more technical know how than you, but not a lot. Yeah. Like that scene where the bad guy runs over that grandma in the walker and they roll backwards and roll over her head. And then she dies shaking and shoots shit out of her dress across the street uh, as her legs jingle around and she's headless. And like, you mean to tell me Paramount Pictures is going to put that on screen? Uh, no, that, like, let's leave that to Lloyd. So, well, this one... We kind of have a theme going is there is kind of some crossover going on because this is about what goes on in Tromaville. Yeah. So there are other trauma characters like Sergeant Kabuki Man. <laughs> and there's also a theme in that there are multi it's like a multiverse thing. There is like the negative world version of Tromaville, which Whoa. is a, a Mortville because that's trauma backwards. And so the toxic Avenger has to face, you know, his evil doppelganger, the noxious offender. Yeah, no, it, it makes no sense. It's goofy. They're fun to watch when you're high. What, what do you they're, want? They're always fun to watch. Uh, and I think yeah. the, most of them are on YouTube, thanks to Troma owning its own films. They, they make them for, you know, like 400 grand. Yeah. And, and you know, they pretty much, they go straight to video and they make their money back. Yeah. They're and, fun. And they've shot, I believe they shot footage slowly of Toxic Avenger 5 and screened it for people and... But that's that's life of the independent filmmaker. Um, almost speaking of, uh, I thought Elvira's first movie was one of the bigger bombs in history, but it doesn't matter because she's turns out to be one of the most indelible icons of like my, one of my of my entire lifetime. I know we all talked recently about her sharing her coming out as as gay and 
destroying many fantasies of young whore fans whose first love might have been Elvira. She wrote this movie along with John Paragon, who we lost a few months ago, but that's Jombie from Pee-wee's Playhouse. Oh, no way. Yeah, he co-wrote the movie with her, and it's another Elvira movie. Uh, yep. co-starring Richard O'Brien from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, but a, a, <laughs> a cheesy, like a haunted house mystery movie throwback um yeah the type of movie she would normally cover she gets to be in when that like i can't think of anything better for fans even though i have never heard of it until right now yeah I, oh man it did go direct to dvd but i had to throw it in here because it seems so good for halloween all the reviews were actually pretty good yeah, and saying that like it is extremely a throwback it's like a live action scooby-doo episode it's got a lot of humor it's very light very fun all right dude like, this okay. what we're watching that this weekend all right, Good. Elvira's Haunted Hills. I'm That's into what it. Yeah, she goes she goes to Transylvania and there's, you know, like a vamp vampire thing what? she's in a castle. Oh. Whatever. And Haunted Hills. Her boobs. Yeah. <laughs> Get it? I, I'm not gonna talk shit about those sixty year old pieces of wonder. Leave me alone. Like I'm not, how dare you besmirch her never mind. Um, I did I dare I know, so not making a weird thing. Yeah. her hills. Elva, man, mm-hmm. NECA revealed her figure, her uh, action figure that just came that's gonna come out soon. Oh, this looks so good. Love Elvira. Movie I have never heard of. Another one I think went to direct to DVD. It seems likely. I just threw it out here because it's so odd. Uh, the Shrink is in, starring Courtney Cox, David Arquette, with Carol Kane and Viola Davis, and directed by Richard Benjamin. Yeah, directed Whoa. by Richard. Is it one of his last movies he made? I think so. Yeah. And it's oh. about like uh, Courtney Cox is seeing Shrink Carol Kane, which is like already, yes, I just want to see Shrink Carol Kane the show. I think yes. that's great. Yeah, but and Carol Kane like goes crazy and runs away, and then Courtney Cox is mistaken as the shrink, and she starts treating David Arquette, this guy she has a crush on. And uh, every review used words like bland and mm. pointless. <laughs> I've never seen a bad movie in October with Courtney Cox and David Arquette. Oh, they, good point. But they usually have a different come on. Title. Yes. Yeah, yes. I don't think anyone gets stabbed. So I think it's adorable how she supports him. It- <laughs> Nice. Yeah. I yeah, well she puts him in every I don't know that David Arquette documentary is great because he's like walking around like you know, he's got like a boxing ring in his backyard that overlooks the entire city of LA and like, is that eight legged freaks money? Or is that <laughs> friends money? Is that, <laughs> I think we know. I think mm-hmm. we know what that is. <laughs> Maybe even a little cougar town money. <laughs> Next up, a movie that should have gone direct to DVD because Oof. it is a fucking dressed up lifetime movie. Oh. Terry Polo, Vince Vaughn, and John Travolta in Domestic Disturbance. What happens when the only witness to a crime... I know what I saw. He killed the guy. ...lives with the man who did it. Do you think I'm going to endanger my own child by marrying a killer? John Travolta. My son is living with you, and I have no idea what kind of man you really are. Vince Vaughn. Are you afraid of me, Danny? Get Danny out of the house. Do you hear me? Ah! You want to mess with someone? Start with me. Domestic disturbance. This film is not yet rated. It is now. That's like, you know, 16% of Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely sounds like a TV movie. It, it really is, where it's like John Travolta and Terry Polo are divorced. She's marrying Vince Vaughn, and like their kid doesn't trust Vince Vaughn, and like then oversees, you know, secret sees him murder Steve Buscemi. And. <laughs> It's like, oh, no, my stepdad's a murderer. And everyone's like, now, now, no one believes you except for John Travolta, his dad. And then then it turns out, oh, no, he really was a murderer. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Mm. My God. 
like unless it's gonna have like a whole lot of violence yeah why isn't this on lifetime yeah come on now i gotta talk about the jet lee movie but at least it's got carla gacino who i can't think about anymore because of this show without imagining her having sex with robert de niro and him making his muppet face thanks (laughs) thanks sarah um, uh, oh, I forgot the, something very important. Yeah, Jason Statham is in this movie with Jason both hair Statham. and kind of attempting an American accent, sorta. Ooh, it and is, it's uh, hilarious. I thought in Delroy Lindo and Jet Li, Jet Li's the one. He's a deadly force from another universe. He can defy gravity, alter time, bend reality. On November 2nd, he's escaping. He will discover the portal to our world. We have a problem here. There's never been anything like what I have become. Gently is the one. I, I thought this looked amazing and i was mm-hmm. here for it day one in the theater because jet Li had always already kind of like rocked our brains a little bit you know in terms of like asian act asian martial arts actors jackie chan was like the biggest we had right now. and then here comes jet Li, who's like way faster and his shit's way more wiry and now they're adding in matrix cgc he hit a guy with oh, a yeah. motorcycle in the trailer yeah. it looks awesome oh, not not drove up and hit him he picked up a motorcycle in one hand yes in one hand hit him like a fucking neanderthal club with a motor with a cop motorcycle <laughs> Uh, and then I, I just, I've never been so, I mean, we're in the theater. I'm like, oh my God, this is not good. This is very, very bad, but I still will never forget it because it is the, other than an episode of Family Guy, the only time I've seen, uh, the two guys from American movie, I think they play doctors for like five seconds in this movie. Yeah, Isn't that right? What? Mike. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I double checked. Cause I'm like, oh, that is so the guy who made Colvin. Colvin. Like looking it up, looking it up, like, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> oh my God, it is. Yeah, he, he plays like a guy in the morgue who's immediately killed. Yes. Wow. Uh, yeah, this is a, I was going in expecting a bad movie because mm-hmm. I'd heard it was pretty bad, but it is a good bad movie. Yeah, I guess so. It is entertaining as fuck. First of all, the music dates it so badly. Wonderful. I don't know if I've ever seen a movie that dates it. So like when an action sequence kicks off to Down With The Sickness, Yes! Wow. You just, like, oh my, yeah. Uh, Down with the Sickness and Last Resort, they're two big action scenes. Oh my god. so (laughs) embarrassing. As in cutting your life into pieces? It's the Last Resort. Suffocation, no no breathing. breathing. No No breathing. breathing. Thank you for the definition. Oh my goodness. But this is is the Americanization, the beginning of the Americanization of Jet Li, because this is, like, originally supposed to be a rock vehicle. And interesting. That yeah. would have been very, very different. I mean, there's, there's a lot of like stuff only Jet Li can do in this movie. Well, it's clearly a Matrix ripoff. Yeah, it's extreme. Yeah. I mean, all of the other ads are like the best action since the Matrix, oh. because the idea is again multiverse. Jet Li used to be a time cop with Delroy Lindo, and then he figured out if he kills off the other Jet Lees in other dimensions, he gets one. more powerful. So the quickening again. Two the quickening. quickening. He has to kill the last Jet Li, and oh. then he will be like the supreme Jet Li. And Delroy Lindo and weirdly accented Jason Statham have to stop him. Wow. So there's lots of very silly wire fights and lots of bullet time and ridiculous stunts. And it just it's so silly. But it is it is fun silly. It's not just like, oh come on, silly. It's just like, oh my god. <laughs> They're fighting next to an MRI, and the MRIs stole their guns, and now they're fighting over the guns. Yeah, it's it, this this critically performed horribly, but I think maybe what Diana's saying might have some merit here. That like this is worth yeah. rediscovering if you know what you're getting in for. Like, yeah, if if you want dumb 
dumb action done well yeah and the rest of the movie is just like don't don't even try to it is so incredibly silly but yeah just like it doesn't last too long it doesn't drag too much there's one big like info dump in the middle and that's it it's just mostly running around action silliness so yeah the one with jet lee is like quality cheese good cheese we have other bad cheese that i'm not a fan of this week mm-hmm. mm. And this is like, this was fun as hell, but so dumb. I can't wait to see where we shake out in the next movie. Not one at the box office, but I think one of the more important movies of not, maybe not my lifetime, but people just a little younger than me's lifetime. Uh, I have a weird experience with James Coburn. I always forget he's in this. Steve Buscemi, Billy Crystal, and John Goodman. This movie's number one at the box office this week because it's Monsters, Inc. Mike Sully on November 2nd. Come on! It's up to them to save their world from the most dangerous monster of all. Boo! From the creators of Toy Story. Where's the kid? We can neither confirm nor deny the presence of a human child here. Billy Crystal. Sorry! John Goodman. On November 2nd, welcome to the world of Monsters, Inc. You little one-eyed cretin. Okay, first of all, it's cretin. If you're going to threaten me, do it properly. <laughs> I'm giggling again. Uh, Monsters, Inc., baby. Oh, god damn. I feel like this is where Pixar really underlined, like, this is what we do. Yeah. yeah. This is going to be fun, light, entertaining, and then hit you right in the heartstrings real good. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I have an odd relationship with it because at this point... I was babysitting a lot. So like I had to endure this movie. Mm. I, w- I was telling somebody I was dating who was a little younger that like Toy Story came out when I was 95. Unlike Disney films, like Pixar movies for movie nerds were like, no, this all the critics love this. You must see this movie. So I'm always in the theater to see a Pixar movie day one. And I didn't see a lot of kids like totally into Pixar movies. It felt like an adult thing. I think <laughs> until Monsters, Inc. where like kids kind of caught up to Pixar and this became a huge p- kid thing. Mm. I remember we were staying at a friend's parents' beach house, you know, rich parents who like would bit, get this giant beach house and we'd all like th- five of us to a room. And the kids watched this movie three days in a row, rewound it, started it over, rewound it, started it over. And I honestly, I had to like push myself to watch it again after seeing it so elegantly used in Baby Driver um, <laughs> several times because like. I got so sick of it, but right. I but Pixar was like my th- adult thing <laughs> until now, and now it became like officially for kids. I think this VHS was like like destroyed number wise. Yeah, but uh, I have no, I, I, I'm saying like I have a weird experience with it, but nothing bad to say about it. It's that perfect example of like fantastic casting. John Goodman, uh, Billy Crystal probably can't top line a movie in 2001 and bring it to number one at the box office. But in animation, they're the perfect voice actors. And they are so perfectly cast. Yeah. And it's it's funny to think that Billy Crystal wanted to do this because he was offered Buzz Lightyear and said no. That... And then realized, well, wow. that was a mistake. Wow. It's like, but not because it ended up being better cast. Billy oh, Crystal totally. it, it sends it in a very different direction. And this is like, it is tailor-made. For his kind of humor they are so good together and they're so perfect for the characters and the characters are so beautifully designed and like the animation quality keeps going getting better and better i mean just like watching the textures on sully's fur is just like you could just sit there watch that the whole movie just mute it and just stare and i don't know what, i don't know what happened in san francisco like a bunch of more, the more like uh community theaters all have a life-size sully in it. and uh I've always, yeah like why did i steal that 
I would love to have that right now. <laughs> yeah, there's all life, a bunch of life-size Sully's all around San Francisco. Yeah, um, this is a, the Pixar movie I always forget about, hmm. but for no reason, because it's fantastic and mm-hmm. really quite funny. And yeah, I just, it definitely, I think, gets short shrift. I think the 30-plus crowd, the 30 and yeah, under crowd yeah. fucking love this movie. It is flawless. But weirdly, I loved Nemo, which comes out, what, in a couple of years? Yeah, but I, I think mm-hmm. I think that, that was doing something a little different and like that shit still looks so beautiful. Every time I get a new TV, I watch Finding yeah. Nemo to see how this looks on my new TV. Yeah. Whereas maybe I, that's it. I don't like Monster Sync. It's only weird thing is Boo because it's Pixar kind of making a human character the star because human characters still look a little oh, awkward. It's a, a big, big shift from Toy Story 1, though. No, yeah. no, no, it, no, it, no, it, oh, it is. Yeah. I don't think there's way better. anything. All that visually dated in the ending sequence with the doors, I think, is mm. Pixar really wrapping their head around how to make the best action sequences, like the better action sequences than any other type of movie. That sequence is wonderful. Yeah. Um, and you should see it as loud as possible on the biggest screen you have right now. <laughs> Seriously, I just, I also find it bizarre if I can complain a little bit. I did not like Monsters University, but I think it's because I don't like prequels and I really just wanted to see, like, no, what happened at the end of this movie? That is a really <laughs> nice ending to this movie. And then they made that pix- the, the Disney Plus show that just came out. And then just like Mike and Sully are kind of in it, but it's all an all new cast. Like, we still don't have a Monsters Inc. sequel after 20 years. I'm still baffled by that. Yeah. What about the, the further adventures? I mean, just they they set up a place where a sequel could go. They set yes. up a couple of places. I mean, reading about how it took them forever to break down this story. They had so many different ideas of where mm-hmm. they were going to go with it. And finally come up with this idea of, you know, it was going to be about kids and their monsters under the bed. And first it's going to be about like a 30 year old who like re-meets the monster that scared him as a kid. And then it changed tons of tons of times until it comes down to this idea that scaring kids is a job it's like a mining a natural resource job they have to mine children's fear and that's what keeps the lights on in monster city and already that's like okay and just the the detail that they go into in like the bureaucracy of it and like how it works (laughs) with all the doors that are portals to the kids bedrooms and so just stunning to look at and like really well thought out yeah and then, yeah, just to spoil the ending, when they find out, oh, kids' laughter is way more powerful than their fear. Yeah, it's like a scream and, anyway, if you can do it right. <laughs> just like, I do kind of want to see that sequel of, you know, that they almost set up of like <laughs> a little Billy Crystal, you know, Mike Wazowski going in there with like a stool and a microphone and doing a little stand-up bit for a kid in the middle of the night. Yeah. <laughs> that is such a weird idea. Can you imagine and how many canceled comedians? How many well, canceled I... comedians that cast would have? Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh dear! <laughs> yeah, it's funny though because that original idea of having you know these monsters that the children's like fear and screams being a commodity is actually kind of an old horror movie idea. You know, the idea of a monster that feeds I'm off scared. of fear, something that we see like mm-hmm. time and time again. Yep. I love that they took that and made it into a kid's a movie workplace movie <laughs> oh, yeah, workplace they made, comedy they made it yeah. the office for children yeah yeah and one that you could point to with little kids if they are scared of something under the bed and be like no you remember sully sully's great right. don't worry about him he'll keep you safe 
right. from Becky Monster. One of like the only Steve Buscemi Monster. There he is again. Also, he was in Billy Bathgate. That's Hell three yeah. for Steve Buscemi. This Damn, wow. Steve Buscemi. Yeah, yeah. And I love Steve Buscemi as a bad guy because he almost <laughs> never does it, but he's a really good bad guy. Another just great design too. Just oh, as Randall sweet, and like like yeah, but like also literally showing insect off, thing showing yeah. off what they can do technologically. Randall is doing that as his skin can change and he can become translucent. They were oh, that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a Pixar flex. We yeah. forget about those because their movies look magic by default. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the few points I've ever made to Sarah that she actually liked about Pixar movies. <laughs> my, I if you had to boil down my favorite Pixar movies, other they all take place in our world and show us the thing what the things we like are doing or like what a little kid would like what do you think bugs do when you're not around or your toys or your cars yeah. or the monsters under your bed uh or the, the or thoughts fish. or fish or the thoughts in your brain like this is what they do when you're not around they acknowledge a humanity where we live and my least favorite pixar movies are the ones that like onward we're like Nah, it's just some bullshit world <laughs> where, like, you, where you don't exist. But I, I, I always, and Coco even does that too. Like the, this is where your family goes when they die. And I think that's what separates them from like a lot of other films that try and create a new world from scratch rather than a world kids and adults have always thought about. Mm. That I don't know. I think that's really, mm-hmm. so I, whenever I look through a Pixar's list and if it's not like a sequel to Toy Story or Monsters, Inc., I'm like, eh, I don't really care that much about you, good dinosaur. Yeah. And soul and being a notable exec- exception, but yeah. well, well, Wally, you're up. Once again, is about I mean, the afterlife. Are, yeah, they're still grounded. Yeah, in... Wally, Wally is one of my favorite Pixar well, films right. that breaks that rule yeah. altogether. Yeah. yeah, but it's but it is also like, what would the world be like without you? Even yeah. though I think I believe headcanon means cars is the same thing. Um, it's an apocalyptic mm-hmm. universe where you don't exist anymore, and your cars have <laughs> gained sentience. Um, <laughs> maybe have taken on some of your personalities because they don't know how to live. Uh, but Monsters mm-hmm. Inc. I don't think we can say enough nice things about it's. It's really, really great, and I think yeah. it's, it's it's Pixar finding its legs in a wonderful way. I do think yeah. some, sometimes they've, they've officially got their groove. Mm-hmm. I think because they've had Toy Story two, which was almost a disaster. First was almost just a straight to video anyway, and then it was almost oh, yeah, a disaster. This is a, their fourth film. It's not even. Yeah. I, I always feel like it's later than that. Fourth yeah, film. and then before that was Bugs Life, which is okay. And before that was Toy Story. That's it. Never, That's well, it. And it's nobody like, in my right, presence. They are a thing. Fucking deal with it. They are the best of the best. Nobody in my presence is allowed to disparage Bugs Life. It is a wonderful film. Only yeah, made okay. less wonderful by how much more wonderful most Pixar movies are. But if you've seen Onward <laughs> in the, the Good Dinosaur, you can see how bad it can get. Wow. November 1st, Bob Patterson is canceled after seven episodes. Thus the hell is that? furthering is... the Seinfeld curse. That is the Jason Alexander uh... motivational speaker sitcom. <gasps> right wow. Up, when Seinfeld ended, like the whole cast, other than Jerry, got elevated to the stars of sitcoms. And they all kind of went away. Kind of in... Uh, each one more rapid than the last. I think uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus managed to have something on the air for two seasons, but everything else is like what? canceled in a few episodes. Wait, are you talking about the new adventures of old Christine? Mm-hmm. That was on for more than yeah, two seasons. That went a couple of years. No, that was, did, she have, did she have one before that? I think she might have had one before that. Okay. Maybe, I didn't make maybe. up the Seinfeld curse. Do not fuck with me on this. This is something used in trades for years. That like yeah. everybody who comes out of Seinfeld can't carry a show. But also like uh, Jason Alexander is, I think I've said is kind of George Costanza is kind of my favorite TV character ever. Like, I just don't know who else could play that role. It's such a silly character. Mm-hmm. It, I love George Costanza and I wouldn't even say Seinfeld's like my favorite show ever. George Costanza is my favorite and it is kind of bizarre. 
Jason Alexander doesn't have like 18 shows that get greenlit every year because I think he's incredibly talented. We didn't, you didn't get to see him sing on Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> and dance. He danced a little. Yeah, because he was a, a Broadway guy, yes. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's also one of my favorite yellers. So I was doing a little research on oh, this, which uh, great. Jason Alexander loved this show and was really bummed out by this mm-hmm. and um, said Jer- watching Jerry on Seinfeld inspired him to like, oh, I'm going to do that with this show that my friend had the idea for of a, motiv- a shitty motivational speaker. And I-, I got this neat quote from him for an interview about this. Jason Alexander is a multimillionaire, can do whatever he wants, gets to guest star in a ton of fun stuff, has a thorn in his side about Bob Patterson being canceled. But I, uh, while I will not fall on my sword for the other one, I would fall on my sword for Bob Patterson. We all missed an opportunity. We didn't fully claim it when we were doing it, but the network and and the audience think missed an opportunity. So were you hands-on in your role as... Possibly detrimentally. (laughs) I just love that quote. (laughs) quote. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, he said he he, he took the, the Jerry role in in Bob Patterson to try and like I love this idea and it did, seven episodes that was just kind of sort of starting to happen Most, some shows would get 20 episodes to fail mm-hmm. and we're in a world now where you get one or two mm-hmm. <laughs> on network television and you go away speaking of going away I have not heard of the Arizona Diamondbacks for a while but <laughs> in the World Series 20 years ago they beat the New York Yankees which Woo! beating the New York Yankees, Yankees is suck. great beating the New York Yankees is great it's great it's like it's like anybody winning money in Vegas. <laughs> uh, hey, you beat the house. Good for you. The odds yeah. were stacked against you. They had more money and you won. Look, the Diamondbacks are a team that have teal in their coloring. Yuck. And therefore, I know they came from the early 90s. So they're a pretty <laughs> recent team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. Uh, we also have Up- Uprising, a TV movie with Lee Sobieski, Hank Azaria, David Schwimmer, John Voigt, uh, Donald Sutherland, Stephen Moyer. I'm not seeing yeah, this. This is pretty good. T- I don't remember if it's in it might be in two parts mm-hmm. pretty good tv movie about the warsaw ghetto uprising during Whoa. world war ii i was wondering why this cast signed on to be in it oh the serious yeah. subject matter that'll do it oh very yep. serious subject matter yeah and you think oh hank azaria and david schwimmer they're funny guys and apparently <laughs> uh hank azaria they put the costume on him for the first time they put the yellow star on and he started sobbing and was like inconsolable the rest of the day oh wow it's like it Hit him in a way he didn't realize it would hit him because yeah. he's a uh, he's a Turkish Jew. Yeah, you can see that being super weird. He is. I just yeah. thought he was one of us. Yeah. One of our people. The Italians. Ah, sorry. Oh. No, it sounds like he's Italian. No, mm-hmm. no, uh, Turkish Jew, Sephardic, I think. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's pretty good. It it could have. I mean, it'd be nice if it had like a giant budget and you really go crazy with it. But you know, just the the overall idea of like these people are deeply fucked and have no resources. But they know once they get on the trains, they're probably never coming back. So mm. let's try to take some of them with us, I guess. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's a hell of a story. That uh, Just how do you fight the fucking German army when you've got nothing and you're all starving? Oh. You try. God damn it, you try. So, yeah, I remember it being pretty good. And then finally, I thought we were done with this, but a two-week delay on the Emmys thanks to... A little effort from Osama bin Laden. Yeah, um, more more than two weeks. Yeah. It was it got delayed twice. Once from nine eleven, and then once for the beginning of the war in Afghanistan. So wow. it got rescheduled again. Mm. Mm. But we have yep. the Emmys this week. Um, shit, who's the host? I cannot remember. Ellen. Ellen. It's Ellen, everyone's favorite. Nothing will go wrong there in the public eye. Whew, weird. No, no. This is this is. I remember all this. This is like yeah. This is this pretty is the era standard. where like. Other than Will and Grace, it's like, oh, I'm watching everything 
as it happens that wins Emmys. Yeah, and you feel like super in tune with society. <laughs> when you look at this time period, like these couple of years, and when you look at the Emmys, like that truly was a golden age of television, yeah. honestly, especially when it came to dramas. Uh, outstanding drama is The West Wing, a show yep. I was watching, Sex and the City. Not on my own volition. I don't know why I'm saying that. I mean, no disrespect to Sex and the City, but like we didn't have cable. We bought DVDs or got them from the library, and that's how we watched it. And we watch, I watched Sex and the City like like it was an extra episode of Voltron every night in my girlfriend's house. Uh, it was the Sex and the City DVD cases that oh, were like the that. Worst. Sharp, sharp plastic. Oh, the worst. <laughs> it just hurt so bad. <laughs> I hated so much. I, I almost, I almost threw them across the room so many times. They were like throwing stars. Yeah. They were <laughs> so sharp. I could lose an eye. Uh, I, I kind of wonder, though, if this is HBO's first win in comedy and also like the first R-rated show to win wow. for Best Comedy. I don't, I, because look at what is it's up against Everybody Loves Raymond, Fraser, Malcolm in the Middle, and Will and Grace, which are all awesome shows, but those are all network comedies. It does seem like a weird world where Sex and the City is up against Malcolm in the Middle. How could the yeah. same people be allowed to vote on that? But Letterman wins for Outstanding Variety Series over SNL. Uh, politically Incorrect and Daily Show and Chris Rock Show, one of my favorite shows. Uh, I don't remember what Anne Frank the whole story is. Um, TV movie. Same TV one. movie, but uh, yeah. uh, Eric McCormick wins Best Lead Comedy Actor, Will and Grace, Richard Sahiton, and Everybody Loves Raymond. But then, you, you, isn't that fun uh, when a married couple on screen wins for Outstanding Drama? Uh, I love it. Yeah. I wonder how many times that's happened. Tony mm. and Carmela Soprano win for uh, Lead Actor and Lead Actress in a Drama Series. Perfect. And I, I can't remember if they did it last year, but I thought like Sopranos was a pretty big Emmy darling from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And Kenneth Branagh won for his performance in a uh, as a lead actor in a miniseries or movie for Conspiracy, which is a movie I constantly recommend to people. It is mm-hmm. incredible, uh, that film. I believe it's on HBO Max. It's about like, how do they come to the final solution? And it, mm-hmm. it, it, it takes 90 minutes of Nazis talking to one another, and it's fucking interesting. Yeah. And, ugh. Uh, it's so depressing. Love it. Uh, I could watch it every day. <laughs> Peter McNichol wins for supporting actor and Ali McBeal. I fucking love that guy. Ghostbusters 2 forever. Uh, Doris Roberts wins is for uh, Marie Barone, Ray, Ray's mom. Everybody loves Raymond. Bradley Whitford Yay, wins in a, supporting actor in a drama series, even though. Wait, no. This, is this the second season? This is his dramatic. Yes. This is his dramatic yeah. thing. Um, in the shadow of the yeah. two gunmen, because I, I was going to say, he, he if not for these far. episodes, he's funny in every episode of The West Wing, and this is his <laughs> big dramatic take uh, for The West Wing after being shot and going through the post-traumatic stress of being yeah. shot in an assassination attempt. And yeah. Allison Janney wins for part one <laughs> of In the Shadow of Two Gunmen. They both win for two diff- two separate episodes of the two-part season premiere. Neat. Mm. Um, and then, do I need to go on? Is there anything else I'm missing? Oh, uh, Mike Nichols winning Best Directing for Miniseries or Movie for Wit is what put him in the EGOT category. Oh, Ooh. shit. Okay. Yeah, you got the oh, E. Also, too, I like to shout out Jean Smart for her guest actress on Frasier because that's one of my favorite oh, roles of hers on Frasier. so funny on that. Yeah. So put your good. brother on the phone. <laughs> and uh, to show you how Bra- Bravo is changing, they win multiple Emmys for their Cirque du Soleil <laughs> airing Um, because that's what they used to do wild to think about yes that's what bravo used to be live plays theatrical productions and deep james lipton discussions (laughs) of such also want to shout out uh my favorite tv director tommy shlami director of west wing not real who won for in the shadow of two gunmen that can't be 100 his 
he's listed as Thomas Schlamme, <laughs> but I know is. they call him Tommy Schlamme because yes, I have seen the director's commentary on many a West Wing. Tommy Schlamme. <laughs> Take it up with Peter Boners. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. Video games of 2001. We will discuss more of this on patreon.com slash laser time. We have a new episode for you this week with the video game apocalypse boys. If you can't get enough of them every single Friday, Soul Reaver 2 is out in time for Halloween. A guy who feeds on souls. I love this game. I don't know why the series stalled. Great game uh, about Razel stealing souls for the man. Loved it. Big. I would consider myself a huge Mega Man fan. I don't know. Goddamn thing about Metal Man. Mega Man Battle Network, a new, I don't want to say Pokemon, but it, it, it starts a new genre of a different Mega Man game that... Most Mega Man fans I know are not familiar with on the uh, on uh, portable systems, Game Boy Advance in this case. We got Ace Combat Sharded Skies. The original Burnout is out on oh. PS2, a great game. Uh, Dragon Warrior 7, a game I've actually played in last and very leastly. FIFA 2002 is out, even though there's like two months left of 2001. I don't get it. <laughs> We're going to close out with Only in America by Brooks and Dunn. Came out in June, but crawled up the charts. Uh, seemed a little more appropriate to everyone. I was very uncomfortable during this whole period of radio, by the way. Mm. This is when I'm driving around for a living and Clear Channel was telling me to support the president. Like, this is fucking weird. This is the... (laughs) You want to talk... You QAnon assholes want to talk Nazi Germany. If you're listening to, like, Collective Soul and somebody breaks in and tells you to support the president and show up to a support the president rally, that was fucking weird. (laughs) Yick. Yick indeed. But at least Brooks and Dunn were, like, being themselves and made this before the 9-11 tragedy. But here we are. The song about Mm -hmm. only in America. Yep. And it's so generically pro-America that politicians of every stripe have used it as their campaign song since then. It doesn't ref- it doesn't directly reference a boot in Osama's ass or anything like that, so it's it can be nope. played time and again. But we'll close out with that, but stay right there. We got one more decade left to go through, and you're not gonna want to miss it. Only in America Dreaming in red, white, and blue. internet and all the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of october 29th through november 4th one sort of spooky season thing and then yeah but i gonna call this spooky season because i guess technically it's well there's a monster in it but it's really not a spooky season movie it's really sort of like a romantic fantasy movie it's la belle et la bête aka beauty and the beast from 1946, directed by Jean Cocteau, and we will be talking about the Disney one coming up uh, not too long from now, about a month or so, and I think they probably pulled some inspiration from it, because this is, in a word, opulent. It is a very opulent, dreamlike version of Beauty and the Beast. The makeup is really cool. The sets and the weirdness of it is, like, really intriguing. You know, it's kind of a movie sort of just sort of wash over you because it has like fairy tale logic obviously there's like a little bit of cinderella in there too with her like 
she kind of has evil sisters and then you know her father is very poor and he plucks this rose to give to her and then like you know oh it turns out well that was from the beast garden and now she has to stay with him and she has to go to his spooky castle and it's just like the the design of everything is just crazy it is really really cool and yeah it kind of sucks that it's in black and white because i'm sure in color it would look staggering but even in black and white it's just like like you've never really seen anything like it so yeah la belle la bête 1946 and then 50 years ago this week is the last western by sergio leone which kind of gets overlooked and i really like it even though it is kind of long it's duck you sucker aka Gio la testa aka a fistful of dynamite aka <laughs> once upon a time the revolution they, they went through a lot of titles on this, uh, but it's about an Irish revolutionary, James Coburn, uh, going to the Mexican Revolution with and meeting up with revolutionary Rod Steiger in, like, the 1915, 1913, somewhere in there. And uh, it kind of goes on a while. <laughs> Leone's movies are not short, generally. They kind of ramble a little bit, but it's... It's just kind of fun to, like, all these, you know, spaghetti westerns, so many of them are about, like, Mexico and stuff, to have one that's, like, actually about Mexico, and then to, like, take this Irish, you know, this Irish bomb maker and just sort of throw him into the mix, even though James Coburn's accent is, like, not great. But it's, overall, it's it's a pretty fun movie. I It just sort of gets ignored, you know, when you're talking about Once Upon a Time in the West versus Once Upon a Time in America versus Fistful of Dollars. Like, Ducky Sucker kind of gets lost in the mix, and that's a shame, because I like it. Anyway, also, the same day, very much diametrically opposed, uh, 50 years ago this week saw the release of Fiddler on the Roof, directed by Norman Jewison. But it's the stage version of the musical based on the short stories by Shalom Alechem about uh, Tevye the Milkman and his 18,000 daughters and trying to find husbands for them and what life is like in uh, shitty Eastern Europe. <laughs> it should just be called Why Diana's Family Came Here because uh, Jews are not treated very well and they live on practically a reservation where there's not a lot to do and everyone's kind of poor and all his daughters go off and disappoint him in various ways. And the songs are really good. They're catchy. The music in general is really, really good. And it stars Topol, uh, who's an Israeli actor. I kind of wish it was Zero Mostel who originated it on stage. But if you've never seen Fiddler on the Roof, like it's another one. It's kind of epic. It does go on pretty long. It's, it's about three hours. But it is just, it ends up staying interesting the whole time. And it's very beautiful. And like I said, good songs, really cool dancing. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know. Come come Hanukkah time, maybe you throw it on. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. I want to have you downing every meaning you've amassed, like a fortune. Oh, throw it away, but worship someone who actively despises you. For worship someone who actively despises you. <laughs> Sarah looks so confused. Coming in with The View, the television show by Lou Reed and Metallica off of yeah. Lulu. They re- rejected it as a theme, and really, I think The View missed, missed up Seriously. there. Seriously. Uh, was... Imagine Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> walking out. out to that. What did I just hear? Well, I'll tell you what you heard. At, at some point yeah. in every straight white man's life, you're going to have to go through a Lou Reed period. And this is, true. this is Metallica's time to record an album with Lou Reed. Uh, yeah, they they performed together at a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame concert, and 
dug each other's vibe, and they cut an album. And mm. um, their vibes don't really go together. No. No, but it's just something all white men have to deal with. You deal with one of the, the, the pioneers of the indie rock scene, but also one of our worst rappers, uh, Lou Reed. <laughs> yeah, I I highly recommend the new Lou, uh, Velvet Underground documentary that just came out oh. on Hulu or Apple TV, yeah. I want to say, uh, by Todd Haynes. It's really, really, really good, and you should watch it on as big a screen as possible because it's visually very interesting. I like Lou Reed, and I like Metallica. Mm-hmm. I don't think I like Lou Reed. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Uh, but this is also Lou Reed's last album. Yeah, oh, yeah, because he's dead uh, fairly soon after this. Eh, he's got a little while left. Okay. But, yeah. Yeah, I see. Obviously, they have a lot of interest overlapping, but it just doesn't It just doesn't quite work for me. And, oh, the reviews were, they were mean. Oh, wow. They were just mean. It's like, come on, can't you just be like, eh, nice try. But they were like, Something else to enjoy with Lou Reed, and he might not be around for a while. Okay, okay, D minus. Thank you. <laughs> uh, also out this week, Under the Mistletoe by Justin Bieber. You'd think just by, by comparison it would have performed better. A Holiday Carol by Carol King, her most recent studio album. Holy yeah. shit. I, I, my mom didn't have a lot of music she would put on, um, but Carol King was really big in our family. So yeah. I'm kind of shocked by this and i will watch any carol king documentary yeah did you know when a woman turns 40 they just give her a copy of tapestry (laughs) it just appears in her house 13 by uh megadeth uh for the record by miranda lambert ambition by whale and sticks and stones by cheryl lloyd are also out this week october 29th to november 4th someone like you by adele is number one still and i don't think we're making the big enough deal out of this it has been a while mm, it's yeah. almost almost my I'll catchphrase s- i believe it's wale wale yes wale and Not adelaide me. come on i just stopped saying that news a little bit of news to bring into the wonderful world of 2001 the un declares the world population has reached seven billion which is only weird because for 30 years of my life every single hack intro to a documentary on national geographic there's six million people on this planet, and then it just all of a sudden changed to seven. Yep. Seven yeah, billion. And true. ten years later, you know where we're at? Oh, I don't know. What? 7.9. Seven, oh, God. Yep. Is that really a true statistic? There are more people alive right now than who have ever lived? Oh, that makes me feel woozy. It's really it's really hard to think about <laughs> ma- like exponential that. math that, <laughs> that difficult. Yep, that's how exponents work, man. Oof. I don't uh, like that. Yeah, <laughs> me neither. But that's why we do this show, because we're not a math show. So... Sorry if we get your sports scores wrong. Puss in Boots is number one at the box office when we're talking about movies between uh, October 29th through November 4th. We also have a new movie that I have never heard of. Nope. With a cast I don't believe. Uh, Al Pacino, (laughs) Juliette Binoche, Ray Liotta, Katie Holmes, Tracy Morgan, and Channing Tatum in The Son of No One. What What? is this? (laughs) What are you doing, Channing? This. (laughs) I'm going to get Al Pacino pregnant. <laughs> Why am I hurting? Yet again, a movie I would kill to just watch them have conversations. Right, like all this had to be was a podcast, and it would like it would rule iTunes for nineteen weeks in a row. Oh yeah, though no, it's like it's a crime drama where it's kind of sleepersy, where like Channing Tatum and Tracy Morgan as kids like killed this guy, and now Channing thought he Tatum- was coming at me. Channing Tatum's a cop and is like it's starting to come to light and he's got to like keep covering it up and Tracy Morgan is like gone insane because of this and there's all kinds of problems and 
reviews were pretty unkind, but I'm like, wait, so Tracy Morgan, it's a dramatic part from Tracy Morgan. Huh. Okay. I still, again, no, please just put them on a bus and drive them to fun places across America and film it. I, I Take them to the Grand Canyon. I want to see what Ray Liotta and Katie Holmes have to talk about. <laughs> Just saw Tra- Tracy Morgan on <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel this week. He came out in a Superman costume campaigning to be the first black Superman. Just give it a watch. It, it is joyous. Tracy Morgan is a treasure. Oh, um, so, yeah, son of no one. Uh, no, let's just move on. Okay. And, I don't even want to. Now we uh, close out the Holy 420 trilogy. Danny Trejo, NPH, John Cho, Cal Penn. A very held and Komar 3D Christmas, depending on what you're watching. Dude, do you feel weird? My face is feeling kind of numb. If you're suffering from slurred speech, the get the the get blurred vision. My daughter's in there. What? <laughs> Even hallucinations. We claimed it. Awesome. You've come to the right place. No way, NPH. Yup. We saw you get shot. You branded a prostitute. You have to be more specific. A very Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas. Why don't you take your sweater off? For a massage. <laughs> Just a couple girlfriends. Get off of me. I thought you were gay. I am gay. Gay for that. Rated R. I forgot about that. Like, he wasn't out in the first Harold and Kumar movie. Yep. And he is now and playing mm-hmm. himself. But, oh. he's so, but he says, no, it's all a scheme. He's pretending to be gay yeah. <laughs> to get women to drop their guard because, as he says, yeah, he's gay. Gay for that pussy. <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> I, feel like I would lines. have to sit out the next show if I said what Diana just <laughs> um, Oh, my goodness. Oh, this is fun. <laughs> yeah, and, and I forgot about what, probably one of the lower stakes movies right up there with Jackass 3D to be shot in 3D. Yeah, well, it's it cracks me up. In, in so many ways, it reminds me, and I mean, this this is very specific, but when um, Drew Carey show did a 3D episode, mm-hmm. and they're just constantly like, oh, who's at the door? Oh, it's that world paddleboard champion, and just throwing <laughs> shit at the, the camera. <laughs> they're doing that, just constantly. Wonderful. There's just people are just looming at the camera, doing, sure. you know, Dr. Tongue's 3D House of Pancakes style, SCTV fans there, but... Oh, yeah, it is very low stakes. Got to get a Christmas tree. You know, <laughs> I, I appreciate that they are really embracing the like traditional Christmas movie tropes and that it's about like, I'm oh, my father in law really hates me. Oh, no, I burned down his prized Christmas tree. We better go get one or Christmas is ruined. And and then the wackiness ensues. Very traditional. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, most traditional things you end up shooting Santa in the head. So, I mean, the real Santa. <laughs> I mean, we do have the movie The Santa Claus and all oh, of its sequels. True. Yeah. Of the Martians. I got it. Yeah. I um, I mean, I went to go see this with a bunch of buddies uh, doing one of those things. Never, ever say the words, these edibles ain't shit. Oh, boy. <laughs> got real, really enjoyed myself. And so I had to go back and be like, was I just laughing? Because I was like, kind of high. Yeah. Like, for the next no, 12 hours. Goddamn for edibles. Like 12 hours. I was... California, if God these damn it! Edibles work as bad as they taste, and then like the sitar kicks in. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, uh, and it's so unfair that like when I get really high, all I do is just sit there going, "I wonder if everyone knows how high I am because I'm really high." That's all I'm thinking for hours. It's I, I, pathetic. We Aww. rarely ever tell personal stories. I thought Diana got high all the time <laughs> because the first time I went to her house, I saw her roll a joint, and she had to tell me later, like. 
No, nah, someone just gave me that. Like, I don't always do that. Dude, my and parents gave me I, that. Okay, I didn't want to say that part of it, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> Your parents gave me and I watched Diana Roll's immaculate me. joint of new weed, and I just like, well, Diana must smoke pot all the time, but no, that's not really the case. <laughs> no, uh, not really. Yeah. Only occasionally. Just because, like I said, all I, all I want to do is either just go right to bed, yeah. or I just sit there and go... <laughs> I'm really high. Oh, cartoons. Oh, yeah. Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas. Even having not seen either of the other movies. Oh, really? I really liked it. No, I, I just never got around to them. Oh, I, it's going on the list for this year then. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, like, like this and like the night after. Like I do like the modern dirty Christmas films that are also like still really pleasant. I might mm. fire these up. I, I, I'm, I'm not over Halloween. But if you had, if you were listening to the show, I had major emergency surgery out of nowhere and couldn't fully put up my Halloween decorations. So I feel like it's almost never happened and it's almost over. I put yeah. up some of them, but not all of them, and they, it's awful. They're all in various. I couldn't stake. I couldn't stake my inflatable Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and Witch, so they keep oh, falling no. over every night because I can't bend down. Uh, I, I'm almost ready to do it, but like. Uh, yeah, for so for Christmas, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna make up for how much I fucking sucked at Halloween with Christmas. Uh, so <laughs> I might really do like a, a 61 days of Christmas kind of thing. Um, do it. Nice. Yes, and uh, this movie to me embodies what I believe Sarah coined as a laundry day movie. I have mm-hmm. turned this on on at least four yeah. Sundays and fallen asleep to it, including for this show. <laughs> I have never seen the end of it. It, it is. Mildly disappointing because, like, Eddie Murphy seems to disappear for, like, hours. Judd Hirsch, a crazy cast. Judd Hirsch, who is this? Someone else say this. <laughs> Gabore Sidibe? Sidibe? Gabore Sidibe. Um, yeah. Michael Peña. Yeah, I, t- I, I do not. Uh, Michael Broderick, uh, Alan Old, uh, Casey, uh, Casey Affleck, Eddie Murphy, and Ben Stiller, and Brett Ratner's Immortal Tower Heist. To take down a crook. He stole from everyone in your building. I'm getting the money back. You need a thief. What you trying to steal? $20 million. On November 4th. You think of the guys you want to try to do the job with? Oh, man, hell no. A robbery can change very quickly. A few days ago, my homie got shot in the face. Then what you gonna do? Die. I'm gonna die. Ben Stiller, Eddie Murphy. Gotta use your fingers when you find the entry point. You married? No, I ain't married. What's up? Tower heist. <laughs> God, that's precious. My bad. Yeah, I, I, I've I've deeply enjoyed moments of this movie, and then I'm like, this is so fucking boring and a waste of these people. Yeah. And, uh, Some of it is, I, I saw it a while ago on DVD during one of those times where, you know, when you go out of town with friends and then one, at least one day is spent, everyone just being hungover and not wanting to really, like, interact with each other so you just put on whatever dumb movie is like left in the house house. you're renting yes yeah exactly that's what this movie was and for that i'll watch the blind side twice no you want a tower heist for that sort of afternoon because it there are some funny parts that's all okay (laughs) (laughs) there are some funny parts and that's it (laughs) yeah this is one i watched this right after i watched the one with jet lee which is a fun bad movie and Boy, could this not hold up? I mean, th- there was not enough. There's some, this, yeah, some some jokes, some fun bits. I mean, this is such a stacked cast. There kind of have to be, but yeah. I mean, sure, the idea is fine. You know, they got robbed by a Bernie Madoff type guy, like fucked up everyone's pensions. And so they're going to go, you know, steal from the rich and give back to the poor. Okay. I'm kind of surprised it's Alan Alda. I don't know why they picked reached out to him and he said yes it just no, seems odd I, for him. I took everything it was amazing it I, was... <laughs> whatever um yeah i, I mean really old. they're they're going for uh 
a sillier Ocean's Eleven, mm-hmm. and it doesn't help that you have one of Ocean's Eleven sitting right there in the middle of it, constantly <laughs> reminding me, oh yeah, Casey Affleck's in Ocean's Eleven. Huh? Actually, he's like one of the more interesting characters in the movie, no matter what, yeah. you know, fuck Casey Affleck and all that. But, but um, yeah, um, come on, everyone loves Michael Pena. Sure, like I like everybody in this, except for Brett Ratner. And just, no, it felt... It felt like it was made by a computer. Yeah. Well, but well, that just didn't have any it, joy to it. I mean, my only other note was like, it, it is kind of the end of Brett Ratner. He has directed one movie since then. You know, I, I'm not the best person to bring up the timeline of this, but when we talk about Me Too, Brett Ratner kind of had that happen to him before that movement started mm. and got his name taken off films and got removed from projects pretty early on by being kind of a scummy producer with a lot of ladies having bad stories about him and he made this and i think a hercules movie and he has not directed a thing since and had some of his credits removed from the screen Um, and i would feel worse but i honestly like i like this movie more than almost anything he's ever made um i mean i'm looking over the money talks and rush hour and that's it money talks and rush hour family man no rush hour two amp for rush hour one red dragon x-men last stand fuck Fuck that movie like i actively hate it everything about that movie that movie's awful i barely believe in cancellation but there's no better person to cancel to help make movie theaters better yes this is a service (laughs) for mankind thank you olivia munn and tower heist just no I'm still I'm still fascinated by it because it does feel like the end of an era mm-hmm. of a certain mm-hmm. type of movie of a certain kind of way, movie making. Uh, there's something that makes me nostalgic for it, and I, maybe that's it. Might just be Eddie Murphy, by the way, because like yeah. I mean, I definitely it's that same sort of kind of ensemble cast mm-hmm. situation. Yeah, I can't remember. I mean. I guess I bring up tag all the time, but like tag would be like one of those. Movies. Yeah, no, sure, you're right. Which I still haven't uh, seen. Like, hasn't popped up on any of yeah, my streaming I mean, services. We're talking about straight, like straight comedy movies, yeah. which we just mm-hmm. like we always say don't see a lot of. I try to go see them in the theaters as much as possible, so I can show that people want to see these in theaters. Don't but... see, don't see anything but Dune this week. That's all I'll say. Even though I think oh, while we're recording this, like they just tweeted out like there'll be a Dune too. Like, yay. thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, what will they do with all that sand? Oh, <laughs> who's going to win Dune? I don't even know. So we <laughs> gone to 2011 television, October 29th to November 4th. I'll call this the strangest week I've ever encountered in television. Okay. Um, okay. A bunch of stuff. I'm that, intrigued. That I feel like I should like, but had never seen or heard of before. I don't know who put this in the dock, but I looked into it a little more. Diana's raising her hand. Mm-hmm. Conan O'Brien officiates a parenthetical, probably the first real gay wedding on US TV. And right. I tried to look that up, and I really felt like a reality show would come to the the surface and like, no, there's a reality show that had a real gay wedding uh, on television first, but it looks like it didn't. And yeah, I, I feel like there's gotta be somebody right. who, who beat that to 2011. But I, I, I think it's gotta di- be. I think it's different. Somebody. I think there were like TLC shows where like they'd show weddings and there was a gay wedding, but this was like a tonight show, Johnny Carson, tiny Tim level thing back when mm-hmm. I don't want to go off on this too much. I think Conan's brilliant. He's amazing. He elevated the format through my entire generation and went out with this piffle because everybody didn't want the talk show format anymore. But this is 10 years ago. He's on TBS. Like he's in New York. Triumph visits the uh, Occupy movement. Like Mm -hmm. what the fuck? Like this is a great episode of Conan O'Brien's show. And he marries his longtime costume designer 
to his longtime partner in a, I kept looking for a clip, but it is instead deeply moving because yeah. you've never seen this happen before. I'd never seen this happen. It happens very early and you see Conan like, he gets little laughs here and they're like, I think this is what happened next. Andy, can you bring out, you know, we have the, it's a Jewish wedding. So bring out two glasses to step on. Oh, um, okay. Kind kind of thing, and yeah, like no one really knows what to do here, <laughs> and like, and gay marriage is not the law of the land. They're in New York, nope. where it's legal. It's not legal in other states. Maybe even California at this point. I think California. We were in the weird zone yeah, where we had had awful it. Awful Mormon Prop Eight horseshit. Right, yep. and then it was illegal, and then like a judge stayed that, and then another judge like let it go. So it was we we were in a really weird, irritating place. two years. Yeah. And uh, I just need a moment to remind everybody now gay marriage is legal. And if you were against it, your life has not been altered or changed and you haven't noticed at all because the people who give you information are constantly lying to you and trying to make you afraid. Moving on, I got the one funny, the, the funny moment. Uh, Conan's uh, costume designer asked his favorite celebrity in New York to bring him, uh, walk him to the altar. That was Andy Cohen from Watch What Happens Live. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so he Perfect got choice. to walk him down the aisle. And... I, I like this makes is at the very end because Conan's like we have to do this, and at some point he has to like say he was officiated somewhere because that's how these weddings work. And you can the audience is genuinely moved and laughing, and this is the biggest laugh that happens, and it's mostly just. We gotta do this part. All right, this is it. By the power vested in me by the state of New York and the Universal Life Church Monastery, I now pronounce you husband and husband. You can kiss the girl. I'm not kidding. Like, there's not like laugh out loud moments in this. It's just like you really have to think about this as like thousands of people watching the first two gay people married on TV, real gay people with no cuts. It's amazing. I, 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 I recommend you watch it. It's on YouTube. Another thing I found phen- phenomenal on, on the fourth, I, this, I don't know how gay this is or isn't, but it is on Logo. Is the Very debut- gay, then. Well, it's not. <laughs> it, it's, uh, it, de- it deals with everybody. Because it's a show called Bad Sex, and it is a, mm-hmm. what would you call that? A documentary that? about your life? Jesus Christ. How am I supposed <laughs> to come back from that one? That was such a <laughs> stone cold burn. I can't. <laughs> Uh, it, no, the document about my life would be no sex. Uh, but this is about, I think, uh, two seasons of 10 people in a circle talking about sex problems. And I would guess, judging from the promo, we'll talk about it after the promo, bad sex. How is this not a hit? What happens when sex becomes destructive? I am a sex addict that controls everything I do. I'm afraid to have sex. What happens when sex becomes an addiction? I have a girlfriend that I'm always cheating on. I have an internet sex addiction. The goal is not normal. The goal is for us to all figure out what is healthy for us. In group therapy, they're safe. But when they leave treatment, can they control themselves? I just want to be able to say no when I should be able to say no. I need sex right now. Is sex your drug? Bad sex. New series coming November 4th. I just I, I thought like some of this makes sense for a reality show like the guys and or gay guys like I just can't stop cheating on my girlfriend boning and like the girls are like I have I'm deeply afraid of sex I've had a traumatizing situation and I'm afraid of sex like that's not fun to film mm. or watch yeah I don't mm. think we should treat those in the same yeah they shouldn't be in the promo. same group <laughs> they yeah. shouldn't be in the same also, group yeah. so yeah. it is it is a group therapy session between ten people and then they follow them outside of there. To watch mm-hmm. them behave and like, you know, I don't have a lot of sympathy for some, like some douchebag in a fedora. Like, you just can't keep it in my pocket. Like, more than happy to watch you destroy yourself. But like, mm-hmm. you know, people who have trauma 
or not as fun. Mm. <laughs> not as fun. Yeah. But maybe that's why it wasn't a huge hit. Yeah. And then a thing I didn't know existed. One of my favorite things in the, um, what would you call that? The uh, rise of Cartoon Network. They're cartoon cartoons. Uh, Johnny Bravo. It hasn't been on the air for almost 10 years and gets a TV movie out of nowhere. Johnny Bravo goes to Bollywood. <laughs> Seven what? years after his last episode, Johnny Bravo watches a true Hollywood stories type documentary, which he's considered a forgotten star. Johnny Bravo travels to Mumbai, the entertainment capital of India, to prove himself he is still popular. I've never heard of this. Mm-hmm. And it is, I think it's on, it, uh, it's at least in part on YouTube, but it's utterly unobtainable because it's, it's, it is seven years after the last episode of Johnny Bravo. Again, let us know what you think because I, I find this gen- – the first episode of Johnny Bravo, I think, is Johnny Bravo Goes Hollywood. So I think yeah. there's that um, connective tissue there. But it is also like, would you want to be working on a cartoon with this premise? Actually, I think the, the creator is Brown, so maybe he had something to do with this. Um Fan Parable? Am I mistaken? I, I I love Johnny Bravo from the beginning, but I have I've never even heard of this, so I don't know how many people remember this at all. So I'd love to hear your thoughts if you hear it too, if you if you remember this at all. Moving on to the games awkwardly from <laughs> from what is it October 29th through November fourth, a couple of Cabela games which were oddly huge at this point. That would be the Hunting Company that was making arcade and Wii games, they would pull trucks up to our office and like, play in this tractor trailers. What do you do? Shoot real looking deer and like, we shoot giant octopuses and like, real wars. Who wants to fucking shoot deer? Moving on. What about GoldenEye 007 Reloader, Diana? Oh, is this the GoldenEye that now it's Daniel Craig and all the levels look different I and it's confusing? I thought this would appeal to you. Yes, it is the... Uh, I want to play it still. Activision remake. is the only like real game that I've ever been good at, oh, eventually. Uh, I would love to play it with you and your husband. GoldenEye was a great game made by Rare for the Nintendo 64, and Activision had the rights to James Bond games and made GoldenEye 007 Reloaded, a remake of the GoldenEye game, but with Daniel Craig and, like... I really think it was that aspect where, like, it didn't make the splash everybody wanted. They wanted the original textures and models and characters, and they weren't really playing that that game. Uh, A game we made fun of constantly, but looking at it now, it makes me laugh and smile and wish I had it. Jimmy Johnson, NASCAR racer, Jimmy Johnson's Anything with an Engine. And a game where you race against lawnmowers, go-karts, cars, (laughs) um, anything you can put together you can race with, and it's absolutely silly. I forgot most of what I knew about Lord of the Rings, The War of the North, but I'm sure the Video Game Apocalypse boys will help me out there, uh, as Michael will have, contractually have to with Rabbits Alive and Kicking. Rabbids Alive and Kicking, uh, Ubisoft mm. joint. Uncharted 3, Drake's Deception is out this week. If you saw oh. the Uncharted movie trailer in the theaters, which I did with Sarah this weekend, that sequence of him being dragged uh, outside of a plane, hanging on to the nets of the crates, that is the most memorable level from Uncharted 3 and it was kind of surreal to see that in the like the highlight of the trailer in the new Uncharted movie because it's supposed to be a prequel but it doesn't matter because everything's miscast and the games will always be better than the movie Um, and I also just as a nerd want to say it's the 10th anniversary of the best 3D Sonic game ever made Sonic Generation Um, I I weirdly consider this kind of the last Sonic game because other than Mania, I got no time for that guy, but he's one of my favorite characters that has ever existed. I have a little statue to him upstairs. I don't have, 
I have a lot of bad things to say about Sonic games and fans, but not about the character himself. I love him dearly. This was really, actually, this was really funny, and I should have sent you guys a picture earlier. Mm-hmm. Sega had been dealing with so much internal argument from it, like pedantic Sonic fans, like, fuck it, we'll put them both in a game. And I should send you an image. You would not be able to distinguish which Sonic, what are different about these Sonics? Like, one has green eyes. That is apocryphal to the, to these millions of people. One has a little bit of a pot belly. That is considered a sacrilege by these millions of people on Facebook who send death threats to Sega every day. We'll put them both in a game, and you just look at it and like you would look at it like, why are there two Sonics here? <laughs> why are there two Sonics? It's to appease one of the weirdest fan bases in all games. We put them both in. Um, it looks ridiculous now, but I swear, man, I was long for the whole ride. It's hilarious. Oops, all Sonics. Oops, all Sonics. <laughs> <laughs> you wish it was that distinctive between like the Spider-Verse. It is, it is not. They are naked blue hedgehogs with red shoes, both of them. And we'll talk about that, that more on patreon.com slash laser time. We want to thank all our patrons right off the bat. I want to thank Christopher Hare and our many other fine patrons at patreon.com slash laser time. Di, where can people find you at? They can find me on the Twitter at listeningerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, that's 302010podcast. And teasing next week, oh, we have a big TV debut that had to be edited because of 9-11, but still happens in real time somehow. And has oh. Kiefer Sutherland yelling, where's the bomb? A lot. Wow. wow. Is, that, uh, is that the season premiere? A series premiere? Series. Wow. Premiere. Series premiere. And it has an airplane blowing up in it. And they had yeah, to I, I can't imagine pull that, that footage. We'll talk about it next week. I just can't imagine that coming out, being made before 9-11 happened, which is clearly the case. Yep. Um, I know, it's kind kind of nuts. Mm-hmm. And we got a Farrelly Brothers comedy that's going to offend an awful lot of people, and hey, that's fair. <gasps> oh, and the world's most important meme right now, we're going to have the origin of, that's my purse, I don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I Also, one of the most important things that ever happened in the history of AIDS, but more importantly, <laughs> that's my purse, Bobby I don't Hill know kicked you. someone in the nuts. If I... Ever kick someone in the nuts again, I will at least say that afterwards. You have to. I, uh, yeah. Everyone has to. It's way more likely that both of you will have to do it. So so, <laughs> so please get your cameras what, out. kick you in the nuts? Yeah. Yeah. If you want to do that to promote the show, <laughs> I'm willing to do it. But just don't. What level of Patreon is Just that? don't tell me when you do it, please. <laughs> like, I'd rather just not see it coming. <laughs> Happy birthday. I don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> um, who died during this period, D? Uh, getting a burst in dust. In 1991, we lost William Shea. The namesake of the name. I had to say namesake. The Hold name on. Sean Connery, please do that again. Shea <laughs> the namesake of Shea Stadium. The namesake of Shea Stadium. <laughs> it's really hard to say that sentence. It's very hard to say that quickeningly. Quickening. Shea Stadium. We're, we're actually aliens. <laughs> um, it's lost Theodore Van Runkle, who's a costume designer, is 83. Mm. And. In 2011, we lost Andy Rooney, who was 92, five weeks after he left the air. What is death? Wow. Why do yeah. people die? Yeah. It's so irritating. <laughs> Why are people always dying when they're in their 90s? God. <laughs> M- my grandparents would lose their shit to that guy. Man, he was like the funniest <laughs> person of their generation. Fuck. I used to love him yeah. when I was a little kid. I don't know. I think there. Right think... after I read my Reader's Digest that I asked my grandma for. I think he's vaguely the hack that launched a thousand YouTube channels, and I. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it just bugs me. He's not a. Moving on, but without, with deaths, you must have birthdays. Oh. 
Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. We have a spooky season all star birthday. Oh, thank you. Turning God. 60, born Halloween 1961. What? Yeah. A child of British emigres, he dropped out of school at 16 and worked as a photo engraver for a newspaper. Okay. Saved up his money and bought a Super 16 camera to make movies. His first movie impressed the head of the National Film Commission so much he left his job to become that guy's producer. And the film debuted at Cannes in 1987. So it's, it's not Sam Raimi. No. It's not. Sam Raimi's over 60. Mm-hmm. Is he gotta really? Be. He's gotta be. I don't know. Or maybe he isn't. Anyway, uh, his next film, which is a weird idea, was supposed to be a short, but Japanese investors liked it so much it became full length. It's real weird. And the, he also made a TV mockumentary about a forgotten film pioneer that caused a scandal and people ah, all found out it was fake. I know who this is. Okay. Um, I think. Is it uh, Silver Screen Legends? Mm, it's called something like that, yes. Okay, keep going so Sarah can get Sarah can, uh, and the do audience. not condescend I, to me. Look, the, the audience wants to hear all this too. They don't want they want to be on the edge How of their seat. Dare you? No, just say it. Go ahead, say a name. We can still hear all the other trivia. Hold on, let me let me do this. I'll do this to Sarah. Uh, okay. He made a movie about puppets fucking. Is am I correct, Diana? Correct. That was that second one that Japanese investors like so much. Uh, he made the movie that Kate Winslet is famous that made Kate Winslet famous. Yeah, and introducing Kate Winslet mm-hmm. is in the movie also, and introducing Melanie Linsky, someone I know you love. Oh, yeah. I do love her. Oh, yeah. What was that? Beautiful Creatures? There we go. Who made that Close movie? Enough. Close enough. Heavenly Creatures. Heavenly Creatures, that's right. Who made that movie? I'll give you a hint. He also made The Frighteners. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also not, not helping. All uh, right. Well, oh, oh, we're, we're going to talk Peter about Jackson? it for like two hours it in a couple Peter weeks. It is Peter Jackson. Yes. Nice job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because we've only talked about a couple of his movies as director, I had to throw in actor and producer. And so Hot the buzz, list baby. I have is Meet the Feebles, Bad Taste, The Frighteners, Lovely Bones, produced District 9, and appeared in Hot Fuzz as a thief dressed as Santa. Yep. Yeah. Okay. He's also the third highest grossing film director of all time, not adjusted for inflation. God damn. Wow. Yeah. Based on, I would Russo, guess, six movies. Only the Russo brothers and Spielberg are ahead of him. Michael Bay and Cameron are behind him. Wow. wow. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, I Look, think I, as much as people shit on that King Kong movie, it like made a ton of money immediately. It made bank. Mm-hmm. And we get to talk about Fellowship of the Ring in a couple about weeks. a month's time. Ooh. Yeah. It's Ooh. coming, baby. Wait, what did the Russo brothers do? Avengers. It's oh, it's oh, because oh. of Endgame and gotcha. um and the Captain in, America movies, Infinity, Infinity War. War and Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. my favorite, and Civil yeah, War. It's my favorite one, and Civil War, which is very good. Mm-hmm. It's excellent. Yeah, yeah. If you adjust adjust for inflation, I'm sure it's Spielberg than Cameron, if I had to guess, but not fucking bad. Yeah, not for bad for the a fucking... guy who dropped out. I don't. Did anyone notice? I didn't say where he was born because I knew it would be too easy if I said yeah. born in Wellington, New Zealand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's either him or Taiko Atiti. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. He's going to produce a, a Beatles documentary, right? Oh, right, my so. God. Mm-hmm. I No one talked to me over Thanksgiving weekend. That's all I'm going to watch. <laughs> that footage looks like it was shot yesterday. I, I like that thing that Ringo said about it. Like, it wasn't all fighting. We, oh. we did have fun and laugh a lot. Like, they didn't show that and then let it be. Oh, <laughs> I, no, the most incredible quote I saw of that was uh, a shot of Paul sitting there saying, oh, in 50 years' time, they're going to say, oh, the Beatles broke up because Yoko sat on an amp. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Oh, thank fantastic. God. Oh my God. It's just been, it's been a little more than 50 years. Yeah. Oh. So happy birth, happy Halloween birthday, Peter Jackson. Oh, I love you, man. And I love that man. Of all the filmmakers who should be born on Halloween, I think he's, he's close yeah, to the top for me. He's up mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Raimi would have been good though. I'll give you that one. Raimi would have been good. Also, Shape of Water Man. Ooh, Del, Del Toro. Toro. Del Toro. Yeah. Shape uh, of Water Man. <laughs> Sarah does like her fat beardos. <laughs> we had a lot of options, especially for 1991 to go out with, but I feel like a dick if we don't go out with too legit to cry. Yeah, it's an awesome to. song. That song's great. Got to. But it's only his like, second or third album, and he's like, you can't get rid of me. And it's like, who's trying? Yeah. I mean, maybe about. the pants, but like other than that, no one wants you not around, Mr. Hammer. Yeah. Please, Hammer. Don't do that. You'll hurt him. Don't do that. But uh, this is arguably a better song than his. They, they can't touch this. Yeah, I was. Um, like, kids were hint. obsessed with this song. It was everywhere. Yeah, and hint, hint. In a month's time, too late for spooky season. We'll be talking about Adam's Groove. Oh, they do what they want to do. Say what that. they want to say. Live how they want to live. Play how they want to play. <laughs> Uh, yes. I'm watching that for spooky season, doing my homework way in advance because yeah, best Thanksgiving movie of all it's time. It's so good. No, number two is the best Thanksgiving yeah. movie of all time. Oh, so we watched number bad. two last year for Thanksgiving and it was great. Very, very good. I love it so much. Right I, line, yeah. plane, trains, and automobiles. I'm really excited to talk about those. Well, and when you find out what was released the same weekend as Adam's family, you mm. guys are going to shit yourselves. No. Right. It's the weirdest planning by any studio ever. I don't know what anyone was thinking. I cannot wait to talk about that film, especially my child recollections of watching adults talk about that film. Because they <laughs> were the same way we will talk about He-Man shit and fucking G.I. Joe movies. Like, goddamn, every adult around me is like, oh, this has to be stupid, right? NPR says it's not. It's <laughs> <laughs> also, I just, I mean, oh, we could talk about it. I, was, I know, I shouldn't even Part of it is also a very beautiful love story. Yeah. yeah. Well, Sadly, a very beautiful me, horny story. Very horny story. Sadly for me, story. it is it, it is tied with uh, learning some very tragic news. I think a lot of other people, Yeah. It, it's one of those I think people remember where they were when they heard a certain piece of tragic news. And I was waiting uh, to go see Adam's family. <laughs> Um, yep, we'll, we'll get to it. That. Tell a friend about the show. Listen to Laser Time. We will have uh, a spooky episode. Patreon.com slash Laser Time is how you support this show and the whole network. We do appreciate everyone who um, throws us a bone when they can. $5 is encouraged. Let's close out the show. Take us out, MC. I know that I'm making it. I gotta get money. Nobody's taking it away. No, because Hammer don't play that. You try to get my boy. 